Hello, everyone. It's 2022. It's March. It's March 2nd of 2022. And it's Wednesday, which means it's time for Weekly Manga Recap. Hooray! Huzzah! Nick, what's new in your life? In my life? Uh... Okay, I don't care anymore. Nick, I want to tell you what's new in my life. Quaxley is new in my life. And I want everyone to know. So... For those of you who aren't in the know, and I don't care if this dates this episode, I want everyone to know this exact moment in time. Pokemon Gen 9 has been announced. There are three new starters. There's two that I don't care about. And then there's <laughs> Quaxley. And Quaxley is my son. And I will die for him. And I want everybody to know that. I am quite literally... I, the day it was revealed, the only thought that ran through my mind from the start of the day to the end of the day was Quaxley. I went out and got food and I swear to God, I came really close to asking like the person at drive. I was like, have you heard about Quaxley? I just want you to know that I love them. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I pulled back. I have to slightly. wonder if the little curve in his hair makes expressions. I I don't care. Everything Quaxley does. It kind of looks like lips, you know. Quaxley right, could well. tweet out some really insensitive things. I'd still be like, he's young. He doesn't know. <laughs> he's still in his jet, in his first form. Come on, <laughs> he's only level five. Leave him alone. Yeah, I, lo- I, I look. I love it. I love a Quaxley. My favorite is Sprigatito, but it's a it's a oh, cat. Because so. you want to fuck it, don't you? No, it's because it's a cat. I mean, I love cats, but I mean, there's like a hundred cat Pokemon. Litten was my was my favorite of the pre. That's of because that one it became generation. a wrestler. I didn't know that when I when I decided it was my favorite. I was like it, Fire Cat. Yes, Rowlet is the objective best starter of Gen Seven anyway. I mean, I haven't played any of the games since Gen Five anyway, so I don't care. All right, fine. It's like I just point away. I'm I like I like you, the way that one looks. I need to stress. I need you, Nick, to know. That I love Quaxley. Like I, I need I, I to, I need to know that you've you've digested that piece of information, I, and you're. Gonna I follow you on Twitter. I know you like Quaxley. <laughs> you don't follow my other account where I posted even more that's Quaxley true. stuff. No, that's true. It was nonstop Quaxley all day. <sighs> all right, Nick. Let's talk about a bad manga. Yeah. Um. So we've we've had some good manga to talk about lately. Uh, this is not one of them. Um, this is Landlock by Odahara Ai. It is a series about uh, a bunch of convicts uh, who are in a world where the death penalty has recently been extended in Japan so that it applies to minors, which is a little crazy. And uh, it uh, only gets weirder from there. And uh, so they're they get con aired. Basically, they're being trans. They're they're a bunch of death row inmates. They're being transported via plane. Uh, But suddenly the plane crashes and they're stranded in an Arctic wasteland, which it also turns out is on an island because it's landlock, which is not the definition of landlock. But that's okay. It's the least of this manga's problems. (laughs) So they are stranded in this Arctic wasteland, which also is a jungle wasteland and a beach wasteland. But, you know, there's a bunch of Mario zones like on this one island. But anyway, really, just they two. have to survive. There's just two. <laughs> it's just a tropical island that also has a giant cold mountain on it. Well, it, at one point, it was probably going to be five, but it ends very suddenly. Yeah. So 
I, I don't know if it was canceled or if it was just paced poorly, but whatever. So Rio, uh, framed for a crime that he did not commit, which was murdering his whole family. Uh, and it honestly, you never get a whole lot of details in it because pacing issues. Uh, but he's trying to survive. And, and there are other death row inmates that we meet that, uh, are all complicated people who have murdered people, but they're complicated. And uh, they're trying to get off the island slash just survive. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways this manga was frequently described was it's like Lost the manga or something along those lines. It's very similar to Lost. And usually when I hear that, being a staunch defender of Lost, my first attitude is to be like, that's usually something said dismissively. I bet it's not that much like Lost. And I was like, as I was reading, it's like, oh, it's barely like Lost. It's just about a bunch of people whose plane goes down on an island and they're stranded and they start having flashbacks to their past and a bunch of mysterious stuff happens and there's weird cryptic stuff going on. And there's a secret organization and there's a secret surprise monster that's killing people. And it's a gigantic plot point that they find a gun relatively <laughs> early on. in yeah, the adventure. That was, <laughs> I have to say when that happens, they make a really big deal out of it. And I was not buying it, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do have to admit the premise definitely has a lot that resembles lost. Um, the major dividing factor, though, is Lost is kind of defined by having uh, an astonishingly enjoyable cast of like ensemble characters. This so series has none. There is not a no. single character who you're like, you're interesting. Every single person just sucks. There is one character that I'm not even going to say like good things about them, but I, I, I remember being interested in seeing where they might go which was the poisoner kid <laughs> did you I, I have to ask this is technically against the 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 pacing of our discussion here but i need to ask when the one chapter ended does the point has the poisoner shown his true colors did you audibly scoff at that the same way i did when i first read it no because i was like oh thank god something will happen now well and then like, nothing did <laughs> I was like, shown his true colors. He's been nothing but an asshole. I don't, yeah. What do you mean? There. Okay. I have to stress this manga is. Okay. So this is a web released manga that was like under the Shonen Jump Plus imprint. Um, it's one of those web manga that uh, has a vertical format. So you just have to you can just kind of keep scrolling down instead of having to like have divided up by pages, um, which for most of it, it doesn't really do a lot to really play around with that. Uh, there's a bit when it's leading up to the climax, I would say that it does it a little bit, but it's just like. A guy is going downstairs, so you follow him going downstairs yeah. very briefly. And that's that that's as interesting as it ever gets, really. Um It is but, also in full color. We should we should state that as well. It is in full color. The art's okay. Uh, but it's not even so I'm gonna say this. The writing's just not good. No. And I don't mean that in the sense that oh, you know. 
there's some questionable story choices or whatever, which I mean, there are, but it's just a matter of there are so many different cases where I'll watch a scene unfold and be like, well, why did that happen? It doesn't make sense in the context that you've presented it to me. And it doesn't evoke the emotion that it's supposed to be evoking. And so there's some ideas here and there that might be interesting, but it really feels like the series needed like a different editor or something, a script supervisor, because I can't see how some things flow into each other. One of the characters in the series is uh, a guard who survives the crash. She's the only guard that survives the crash and then the prisoners killing all the other guards. Uh, and she and Rio, who is the initially only decent human being among the surviving inmates, um, they meet up early on. And because she is like critically wounded and he looks after her, they end up being partnered through the rest of the adventure. So she is, of course, distrustful of him at first because he is convicted of having murdered his entire family. He is a murderer in her eyes. Why should she trust him? But because she is deathly ill for a little bit and he looks after her, it's like, okay, well, this guy had no reason to not kill me if he was going to kill me. So I might as well trust him. That's the general idea that you're supposed to be given. She explains this to him when she announces, okay, I'll go along with you. Thusly, mm-hmm. once when I was a guard in a prison, there was this girl and this female prisoner was uh, locked up and I would see her playing around every day and she was always very nice and playful and friendly seeming. But then uh, there was some sort of a panic that was going on in her cell. So I had opened the door and she immediately lunged at me and tried to attack me. And she was screaming, I've waited so long for this moment. You can't trust murderers because murderers never change. Anyway, you had an opportunity to kill me, but you didn't. So I'll trust you. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) What? (laughs) A does not follow B does not follow C in that in that sequence. She says something that seems to indicate that her next line is going to be. So I still don't trust you. You better watch yourself, because if you go, if you even so much as hint, you know, then I'm going to kill you. It's like, no, she's saying she trusts him. Yeah, <laughs> so. well, so there is sort of um, an ethos to this series, which uh, eventually enters into the larger question of what is this island and everything like that. Um, and basically, the question being discussed is can criminals reform the the truly abhorrent ones and this series goes off on a start of like a very grand thing of like what if we made minors susceptible to the death penalty and then doesn't really challenge any part of that as it goes along um it also has a lead character who is innocent and yeah so he doesn't have to change i need to stress something (laughs) The, like the I'll get into this probably more, but like the mysteries of this series are like ankle deep. There is not actually a lot of like meat to any of the questions posed in the island. And the biggest one to me was that our lead character's family, except for his sister, were all mysteriously killed and his 
fingerprints and evidence and everything like that were found at the scene and he was arrested there and he has no idea what happens and he's placed on this this plane with everybody else so the entire time any kind of moderately savvy reader would be like all right i have reason to suspect that rio might actually have been behind his family's murder like and That's like the only interesting way you can go with it, yeah. honestly. <laughs> and Island has this thing where it's like, oh, people uh, can see clones of themselves who are evil that like try to attack them. And it's like almost a manifestation of guilt. And you're like, OK, this is definitely leading up to the idea that Rio, whether he realizes it or not, is in some way responsible for his family's death. He runs into somebody with a disassociative personality disorder, kind of playing into the idea that maybe there are ways for you to be a criminal and not realize or things along those nature. They they start going down that road and then they abruptly don't. Ryu was innocent. He did not kill his family. Whoever killed his family, we don't know. It's not irrelevant. Someone killed his family and he just got thrown into all this. So the main character, the crux of this story, has no involvement whatsoever of the main ethos which is can criminals reform which is hilarious to me because like the big twist of this series spoilers is that like some kind of big uh sort of almost elon musk level technological mogul is supposedly behind this this process and knows everything has access to everything but somehow rio got included in this when he's not the criminal which really goes against like the AI's or well, spoiler also as well. It turns out it's an AI. Uh, the AI's ability to actually have masterminded all this to be like, no, you fucked up and sent the wrong person. They even specifically say that in the story. They theorize that Rio is a glitch in the system yeah. of sorts. So it makes, which it makes no sense why he's there. Then it doesn't have any sort of payoff because then the question is like, all right, well, I guess do the other people who actually are criminals, can they change? But there's this fucking spanner in the works of the main character who does everything does not have to be challenged on anything. He was a good guy to begin with, and he's a good guy all the way through. Congratulations, I guess. We get this whole thing about can characters change who they are? And so, yeah, Rio doesn't have to change, basically. Um he just has to, I guess, work outside his comfort zone and just use all the survival skills that his grandfather imparted on him, which is not the same as changing. That's just, you know, rising to the occasion. Right, right. Uh, so the only criminal who remotely there's two criminals that you could argue change. Mm -hmm. One is like the younger brother of this gang lord. Well, not actual literally younger brother, but they don't actually clarify that until they don't address that until very yeah. far into it uh and you know he he decides to you know basically become his own person and then take ownership of stuff and it's like okay fine there's another character that rio um runs into early on who's basically just a coward and decides to do the brave thing and it's it's not very heavily emphasized at all and the one character who is given a really big focus on can they change as a person is the guard Mitsui and her change sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh dude, her backstory fucking blows. Like when you're first introduced to this woman, you are, it's explained like, okay, she was part of like this, you know, 
group of guards that were chosen to be executioners for, you know, death row inmates. Like they had this whole thing set up. So it's like, okay, everyone pushes a button and only one of the buttons will cause the inmate to be hanged. And she's like, yeah, I don't care. Let me push all those I'll fucking push buttons. all of them. Uh, I want them to die. The reason being that her younger sister was murdered in in her home my god a cold hearted murder so she's like all oh, these people who have killed who have killed people all oh, they all deserve to die it's for justice i've got to kill them all so she's got this axe to grind throughout the entire series uh she takes a long time to warm up to rio and she keeps she was of course surrounded by entirely inmates and no other people who are civilians or who are guards or whatever. So she's like, I've, I've got to work with you, but I don't trust any of you. And I don't think any of you deserve to live. If you don't make it off this island, then I'd be happy with that and all that. So they have to do this thing in order to get off the island and they have to all split off into small groups and, and work together because they have to they have to all hit a at the same time on these on these stations, which doesn't really make any sense I, the they have to do it this way, but they do. So she goes up. By the way, another thing about the characters in this series, some of them just don't get names. And yeah. it's really distracting because we meet. I've forgotten. I've forgotten his name legitimately, but there's a leader of this group of inmates that were already on the island. Oh, and they, yeah, I don't remember. Tara. Maha, Mahara. Maharu, or something. something like that. Something. I don't know. So. He explains everyone, okay, well, we have to go in on in these groups. So Station A will be our, some of our strongest men. He's like not saying any of his men's names. Station B will go with Jin and one of ours. <laughs> like, you, these are the guys you've been with for a it year. Is, you don't know their names. It's pretty funny that they just kind of had to state the name and then go with it like... Uh, just like, and you will go with one of my most trusted men. <laughs> like, okay. So one of his most trusted men goes with Mahiru, and she uh, starts to hallucinate because there's these butterflies that make you hallucinate. It's a it's a whole thing. Symbolism. It's so, not really. <laughs> Again, I need to stress not, like there's not actually a lot of depth to no. any mystery in this series. There's butterflies. So. <laughs> So she remembers like, oh, man, that's now I remember, you know, when that asshole murdered my sister and all of you deserve to die. And she starts like attacking this guy and she's going to kill him. And she's like, my little sister who was confined to a wheelchair was murdered by that psycho. And he's like, wait a minute. You're the girl. You're the older sister from that girl in wheelchair murder case from (laughs) a few years ago. I forgot about this. This is mind boggling. So she's like, yes, she was confined to a wheelchair. and That monster killed her for no reason. It's like, well, as it turns out, I was cellmates with that man <laughs> while she's attacking him. <laughs> and he said that he didn't really kill her. And then, in fact, he was there when she had an accident, was dying. And she she had this ring, that this necklace that was from your mother. And, and the mother was a gift. <laughs> and her last words were... Don't focus on the fact that I've died tragically. Don't have your entire life be tied down by my death. Live your own life and be happy. And it's just, and she's like, oh, what have I been doing my life? It's like, thank God this specific dude was here. By the way, not a moment 
controlled by the the overseeing AI that wants to see what people's happened. Just pure fucking dumb luck that she brought up enough pertinent details that this guy's like, wait a minute, this is starting to click together. And I definitely remember everything my one cellmate told me in prison about this stupid locket and the dying words of a girl he didn't kill. Which, which like, I need to stress. So, like, the, the, the writing in this series is not particularly good. But, like, how few details there are in everything is so infuriating. So, it should be kind of an important question. How was the sister killed? Because there's no details. And it's just like... What did happen? Did she, did the like whoever killed her? Because you don't find out who killed her. It's not an important enough detail. Did the person come in and like just bonk her on the head and she fell down and then she's like, oh, I'm gonna die? Because you're like, I don't. Did she get stabbed? Did she get choked? Like, how was she saying all these last words if she's found later? And this guy, the criminal or the the you know ex criminal who found her, didn't see anyone else. What happened to actually like? What was the motivation behind this murder? Like, there's no details to anything. It's just this very paper thin story, and it's just used to be like, now you know, now you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. By the way, that dude's dead, so you know. <laughs> I guess it didn't really Wrapped matter. Up in Lobo. <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> like, I I I, I want to stress this. Like, all of the mysteries in this series have nothing interesting to them. Like. There's a monster on the island. It's killing and eating people. What is it? And the answer's like, oh, it was this thing we were experimenting on to harvest organs from, and it escaped. And you could just shoot it to kill it. It's not actually that scary. You just shoot it once with a gun, and it dies. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. Like, oh, what about these mysteries? These these you know hallucinations people are seeing that are manifesting their guilt as like demonic versions of themselves that that immediately go and try to kill you. Like, oh. It's just a butterfly that has like hallucinogenic spores in its wings. If it flies by, it does that. Like, oh, well, what about this island? Like, oh, it's just an experiment. Like, oh, so there's nothing interesting actually about this island. Like, no, it's just a place. Like, <sighs> it's also very. It's not frustrating. It, so much it is as it is like, oh, good, another disappointment. <laughs> 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 because, so about halfway through the series. Ryo and Mahiru and Masaki, I think is her name. Uh, she, this is the girl who has the dissociative identity disorder and her alternate personality is a, is a killer. So here's what I thought might potentially happen with her. What if the entire time that it looks like she's her good personality? No, it's just, you know, she was just pretending, you know, they, her, they set pretend. that up. They set that up yeah. specifically that the evil personality knows how to pretend to be the good one. But we are given a look inside her head where she's struggling with her evil personality for, for parts of the series. And so then what happens is because they come across this other group of convicts and they and Rio like earns their leader's trust by, you know, using his survival skills to help these guys, you know, cure malaria. Uh, and so then they're like, OK, well, 
But our leader was attacked by your old gang, and they knew about the gun that he had. They knew he kept it in his pocket. So how did who who betrayed us? Who betrayed us? Is it the goody two shoes protagonist? Is it the the woman who is all about justice and would never willingly work with criminals? Or is it the girl, one of whose personalities is a psychopathic killer who wants to murder us all? Who could it be that has betrayed us? It was her alternate personality. It's just <laughs> so like I like I want to stress that her character is one of the more like infuriating parts of this story because she is initially set up as sort of this very vulnerable character. She is the only female prisoner on this convoy. It's kind of like alluded to at the start that she will basically be used for, for sexual needs should the moment come to it. Like she is a very terrifying place. She really kind of like she's like forced into that gang because it like it's that or freeze to death out in the cold she's in an awful place and eventually she works the main character and kind of expresses this thing of like uh, like i'm kind of like you i don't know what happened i believe i'm innocent in all of this and then it's like she has this evil personality we don't you know you're gonna start to question it what's going on what's not we get to know her more than we know about half of the cast because it's just like she's a character who it seems like Ryu really does want to protect. He wants to save this, this good side of her because he believes there's good. And then the series definitely ended way too soon for any kind of closure to her. Cause she just goes evil and gets killed by an avalanche. They, they, there's no like satisfying conclusion. It's like the, the other bad guy gets like a final heroic sacrifice of like, no big brother or little brother. I don't want you to die. So I'm going to go. She's just like, fucking like, oof. And just taken off by the avalanche the, and that's the end no one's like oh shit <laughs> i feel kind of bad the monster the monster yeti thing is what kills her so they you, have this you see her get dragged off by the avalanche though i feel oh like. yeah because well because she's definitely dead because her neck gets slashed but so all of the villains all the potential antagonists all show up at once so there's the most evil uh, prisoner who has the gun and he is now working with her. And then the Yeti shows up while they're having a confrontation with the good guys. The Yeti kills her. No one ever talks about her ever again. She is not mentioned once. Uh, The gunshots from when they shoot the Yeti thing cause an avalanche. The criminal guy has a heroic sacrifice and gets dragged off. And this happens in the span of like one chapter, All, all of this. And it's just done. All the obstacles gone. Let's go and start the radio station. Oh, we started out the station to signal for help. But then an alert went off saying illegal activity was happening. What kind of security measures are going to come after us? There's no security measures. <laughs> oh, but but the AI that is constructed all of this has men who are going to come here and kill us all in order to cover up this, op- this operation. Look, the men who are coming on us towards the island all have guns. What are they going to do? Oh, they're the Filipino military. They're here to help us. That's that's the one part you're just like, because it's like it's a cliffhanger at the end of a chapter. You're wrapping this up. It's like I like the penultimate or very close to it. Like this is kind of like the big moment to like if if our ship gets there first, it's going to they're going to kill everybody, basically. So they're like, oh, God, those people have guns. And then it removes all tension by showing us everyone has made it back home safely. Yep. And then explains what happened. And the answer to that dilemma was just be like, no, let's trust these people with guns. And it's like, I guess they were rewarded. (laughs) 
for that. Like, it's just one of those things you're like, I don't quite understand what the message there was supposed to be. Because if they had it been, you would have just been killed. Like, I don't, I don't quite understand the, like, what the story was even trying to do. There's a whole thing that comes out, I, I should say, because there's this there's this old police oh, officer named Gendo who, who, who love this dude who is following the breadcrumbs and the side plot for like the entire story. And he's tracking stuff down. He keeps on finding, honestly, really, really glaring things that have been happening. And it's astonishing that nobody has noticed all the mysterious disappearances. The fact that there are all these different companies that are all being funded by one group that you can apparently just find if you just, you know, dive into any random filing cabinet and look through the files and you'll find information about this. Like, And it's so broad and wide ranging that you can't walk through a crowded room without stepping on a piece of evidence that would point towards them. Like it's. <laughs> and it turns out that there is this AI that is testing humanity and its reliance on technology, I guess, and testing humanity's ability to change. And it turns out that the reason why the law was ever changed to begin with was because it tipped off a few politicians to vote that way. And somehow something so drastic didn't result in an absurd upheaval. Like there was like a group yeah. that was opposing it, but apparently it's very easily quashed. Like it's just normal Japan outside of that law change. It's not like, you know, it's some sort of military dictatorship now or anything. So old cop guy follows all the breadcrumbs. He keeps on following the breadcrumbs. He keeps on following the breadcrumbs while he's getting threatening voice messages from people who are like, I can see you through the security cameras. You're smoking a lot of cigarettes and stuff. You shouldn't do that. Anyway, bye. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think my favorite little detail about all of this um, is that the, like he's doing what is like very stereotypically like the cop trying to investigate corruption and who knows how far this goes who knows how far we'll have to chase this lead it's going to go to dark places people have definitely been tipped off his very life is almost certainly in danger but he doesn't care because he's interested in the truth and it's like oh i've just i've stumbled onto something i definitely shouldn't see and it's like uh-oh a call from an unknown number it's a call from actually his buddy's number and it picks up and it's not his buddy it's instead the voice and the voice just like what everyone goes to hell someday click <laughs> something like that you're just like this this isn't threatening at all and then eventually later on it goes to be like i know everything i know that you have lung cancer you've smoked 30 cigarettes since you've come in and i'm like that's a lot that is a lot that of is cigarettes. a lot of cigarettes in one sitting <laughs> but then like at the end of the series i'm really concerned about this case <laughs> just like somebody, somebody about this. Let me tell you about this. Anyway, hang on. A <laughs> he has seven in his mouth at once. <laughs> at the end of the series, him, the guard, and Rio have all like met to like decompress over all of this. And the guard is talking about because the guard's the one who discovers everything. The guard. So, sorry, before okay. you go on from this point, I want to say the guard has had an eye patch, like her eye 
bandaged up with the entire time she's been on the island. She gets off it. She has a tiny scar of her eye that is present in half the panels in that chapter. The other half, there is no scar. <laughs> Didn't have time for it. Come going to draw a scar every time. Uh, the, the the all three of them are there, and the the police guy is the one who figured out everything. Like it, literally, the characters on the island have almost no idea what's going. That it just run into the AI personality, and that they just had to deal with it. But the guard or the 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 cop has to explain. He's like, yeah, here's everything that went on. I guess I was a part of this experiment too. And I'm like, for what? You had one discernible character trait, and that's that you had cancer and you didn't stop smoking. <laughs> So I don't know what changed about you. What, like, I don't understand how well, you... I also took a psych exam, and I thought it was like a butterfly. I thought too. it was a butterfly. <laughs> and my favorite thing, this is probably the moment I enjoyed the series the most, is the, the the guard is hearing this all for the first time, and she has an expression like, huh. And I was like, yes, that is the exact reaction I had when I heard all of this plot dumped on me as well. It was just like a mild, huh. And then just carried on with it. Um, I hope that the author keeps on trying. Uh, I think that they could do something good, but this wasn't good. And that's, and it's not even. And unfortunately, it's also not not good for interesting reasons. It's just kind of. It's just physically there. clumsily executed. Yeah. So. Uh, I would say going into this, I thought this was going to be like a really, really bad series. Like after the first couple chapters, I was like, this really is not enjoyable to read. Um, there are a couple moments where it gets almost like kind of amusing and how bad it can be at times. Um, but at the end of it, I really realized I was like, I think this is just the front runner for the series I'm going to forget about by the end of the year where I'm just mm-hmm. like, we're going to talk about it and be like, what's Landlock? I'm like, I have no idea because the name does not evoke anything from the actual series itself. And then you're going to be like, it's like it's, lost. They're not landlocked. Uh, it is. The, they are the opposite of landlocked. <laughs> the series did a lot of research into um uh, Rorschach tests and none into the title of the series <laughs> or maybe there was supposed to be like another like thing later on but like no it's an island surrounded by mountains or something like that like oh crazy like they didn't have time to actually get to the landlocked part wasn't wasn't cage of eden i think it was where they thought they were on an island but it turned out they were on a continent that's more landlocked than this series come on oh god by the way, one last note before we move on, because we do have manga to talk about. Mm-hmm. If you were interested in that Poisoner guy and wondered why we stopped talking about him, <laughs> it's because he stopped being relevant immediately after that. They don't He's even... just kind of there the entire rest of the time. And then, mysteriously, in the last chapter or two, he's just not there. Yeah. He doesn't die. They he just, just stop. They he's just not there. don't mention him. Like it is they 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 do do an epilogue essentially to explain because only a couple characters actually got to leave the island and everyone else chose to stay kind of of their own volition they're only like hey only three people are going to get to leave this island or whatever and it's uh the one brother rio and the god the guard and like everyone else gives like a reason for why they're going to stand out the poisoner person like i could assume why he stayed in the island but they don't actually show him doing it he he just never gets brought up again (laughs) yeah it would have made it would have been perfectly in character because he was like, "This place is cool," and yeah. that is all you would have and to I'm show him doing. And I'm going to be killed if I go back over yeah. to Japan or spend the rest of my life in prison. So yes, I will hang out here. 
Yeah, which they start feels like a up big a... loophole in the justice system to be like, well, they're on that island. We can't get them there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, let's move on. Yeah, let's <laughs> do it. We're going to start the recap portion of the weekly manga recap with My Hero Academia, chapter number 345, Division. So last time they put all the villains in big old cages and they're going to shove them into portals. And uh, Toga, being a general, says, break it open. It's good thinking. Good thinking. But uh, she does seem to realize, like, okay, we got to do this really, really quickly. Uh, and the cages do start breaking, of course, because a lot of supervillains are held inside each of them. Um, and uh, Toya starts leading some villains out of his, and he says, your pathetic cages didn't even last three whole seconds, but Todoroki is in his face, and he says, three seconds is all we needed. And all the heroes are I mean, bum-rushing all the villains, and everyone gets shoved into portals, uh, while Monoma, who is controlling all of them, looks on, and he is having the time of his life. So, good for him. Um, not crust, but he could be crust. Um, uh, he says, we've even got a strategy to counter that nasty decay quirk. You swaggered in like you owned the place, but now you'll be scattered to the winds. Ah, I don't... Okay, we don't really get to see what this counter for the decay quirk is, but maybe he shouldn't have fucking opened his goddamn mouth. Anyway, so, hey, villains get shoved into portals, but, oh, what's this? A tube snaps around Deku's wrist and tugs it through a portal. Uh, And we get to see Bakugo being surprised by this, because, like, huh? Looks over his shoulder. This Deku gets yoinked in. Uh, We see... All Might uh, issuing some commands and uh, he tells Fat Gum to watch out for Aoyama uh, and then Monoma is ordered to go back and he very, very teenagerly says the mastermind retreats as he portals himself away because he's a big dork. He's so. the star, Nick. Remember every star he gets is the star. Yeah. So the villains have been divided up <gasps> and so we shift to phase two. And we see one of the portals dump out. Pretty good phase. There were a couple stinkers in phase two. You know, people obviously talk yeah. about Thor the Dark World and Iron Man 3. But mm-hmm. most for the most part, phase two was actually pretty good. Didn't end the best. But, you know, Winter Soldier is a top five Marvel movie. So it's a great movie. Uh, Hawks says, welcome, fellas, which I don't know. It doesn't seem I don't know if that fits him to say fellas, but whatever he tries to attack all for one since this is the group that all for one is in uh and he just goes for a headshot and he's like no awesome helmet protects me fuck you literally every other part of my body is seemingly uncovered so thanks for going for the most heavily armored part of it i guess the idea is that he has so many quirks in him that just trying to dismember him would almost certainly fail. So the only possible move to try to make was to try to go for an insta-kill to the head. But I am surprised you wouldn't 
try to go for the heart or something like that. Like right. it's, he's, he's he's destroy he's, the core. He literally does have nothing but one giant crazy looking helmet. <laughs> Hit me here. Yeah. <laughs> so Endeavor does actually address something that I was wondering about, which was like, well, if they're going to part of them away, why wouldn't he just use the ooze teleportation quirk to bring everyone back? And Endeavor says, we learn in Kamino that your ooze warp is an inferior version of what Kurigiri can do. It has a much shorter range and you can't warp yourself. All right. Fair enough. So, yeah, they've got the trump card in this situation. So. Uh, so all for one is like, well, I'm still in control because I have accounted for everything and all this and I am so smart. Blah, 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 and you can't beat me. Uh, and then he says that pitting one for all against Tamura is a deadly knife's edge to dance upon. But the most brutal part of this little scheme has to be you forcing your youngest to clean up your own mess. Uh, and we cut over to the statue of All Might, uh, where someone has put up a sign defacing it that just say, hero must die, which. Sounds about right. OK, and hero must die. I feel like that's a bleach chapter title, or if not, it's going to be one at some point. Must die. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's over about, there. It's about Renji or something like that, you know. Or uh, uh, Grim Jow. Master, mascul- Master Masculine. Hero Must Die would have, would have fit that part pretty well, yeah. I think. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, over where that statue is, Shoto and Toya are squaring off. Nice. And uh, we, uh, it's, it's a cool shot with where you see Shoto from behind and getting all prepared while Toya is like. Oh, no. Toya is the real name. Never mind. Yeah. Sorry. He's like, check me out. I'm taking my shirt off. Uh, we cut to, um, UA floating in the air, which is where, uh, Shigaraki got ported to, uh, Bakugo reports to best genus that Deku has been separated from them because Toga yoinked him through the portal that she was sent through. And this is also the portal that Uraraka and Suyu went through along with what looks like, um, all the high end Nomu and gang Orca. So. Oh no. Gang Orca, you better fucking survive. You're the Quaxley of this manga. Uh, And Deku also realizes that his danger sense didn't trigger, so. Hmm. Toga didn't really want to hurry him. She just wants to talk and be loved or whatever. Just wants to play and stuff. Well, so a lot of different showdowns got set up in this. Fair enough. Yep. They were separating it out. Make makes sense. So. Good stuff. All right. All right, Nick, let's talk about Undead Unluck number 100. Let's. Hard mode. Uh, so Andy and Clothy are trying to follow after Unruined. They're basically just investigating every site of where a bunch of murders happen, but they can never really get ahead of Unruined because they're always going to be a little bit behind. Uh, they look up in the air and they see, uh, I believe, what was on the cover art of the Ajin manga. Uh, floating through the air and they're like what is that and they're like oh Seems that's about right yeah that's uma thirst basically it, it must be headed towards the next spot so andy's like all right well i guess i'll get going but the little girl is just like wait like what's going on like are, like is my town not the only place where bad things are happening what's going on and he's just like yeah everything's fucked like the planet's going into the sun like 
it's bad stuff. So sorry about it. Uh, another monster. She also appears to call him like Jason or something like that, but it's translated to Mister Old Guy, which is a great fucking thing to call someone. Uh, another thing comes into attack. Uh, Andy's like, "Oh, I'll block you," or you know, like grabs her so she doesn't get hit. And he's like, "What the hell was that?" And she's like, "Wait, is that not what it's like on the outside?" And he's she's like, "Your your body suddenly gets all heavy and everything like that." And then Andy's world goes into like a a black and white distortion. And he's like, "What? When did all this start?" And she's like, "Ever since my mom went to the castle, everyone's like gone out of their minds." And on that day, I told my mom, and we get into a flashback of her mom basically being like, "Hey, you got an invitation to the castle? That's cool. You should go." And I was like, "Yeah, I would, but." You know, it's been too strange outside. I don't want to leave you behind or anything like that. The little girl's like, nah, you should go. You'll have fun. Do it for me. Tell me you're at the castle later. And we find out the little girl's name is Lucy. The mom's like, would that make you happy? And Lucy's like, sure would. So the mom's like, I'll be back soon. Uh, whenever someone returned from the castle, they would look at the sun and smile. They all get, they all grew fangs, too. And anyone who got bit by them winds up going out of their mom. So... My mom managed to save me, but she got bit, and everyone went back to the castle. And Andy's just like, good work. You you just gave me a lead about all this. I think I found the source of these smiling corpses, and a whole, whole bunch of the juniors come at Andy. And he's just like, all right, come with me. Grabs a little girl, hops on his bike, just starts driving out of there. And he's like, hey, the world's changing, and there is no way to go back. Anything could happen at this point. You either agree to these rules and die, or you can fight against them, negate them, and live. Choose. Direct me to the castle, and I promise to protect you. So Lucy cries out, you know, thinking back to her mom saying that when you get better, you're going to visit so many places. Says, I live, I'm going to get better, and I'm going to repay mom for her kindness. They zoom off into this forest, and he's like, why are all the trees all noodly? Like... What's going on with that? I think that's actually the little girl saying it. Uh, and Clothy comes up and is just like, we can't go inside of there. We're we're really going to die if that happens. And he's like, huh, why are you so freaked out? And he's starting to realize, like, yeah, that castle definitely has some. So he just cuts off his head and shoots it up into the sky. And he gets up and there's basically a two page spread where he's like, Oh, I see what's going on. There's a shit ton of UMAs here. <laughs> and uh, we see in the forest, like, five or six UMAs just visible with all these crazy, like, I don't know. One of them looks like, I guess, timed bombs. There's a couple dragons. There's, like, a, a beetle monster. There's a whole bunch of crazy stuffs going on. There's just a gun floating through space. Like <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty dope. Torco can't be the only one. And Andy's just like, or the little girl's like, what's a UMA? And Andy's like, they're beings that bring rules into the world. You kill them, and the world gets rewritten. So if I kill this UMA, then thirst will go away, the one we saw earlier. And she's like, well, wait, maybe you shouldn't just go up and kill it. And he's like, eh, fuck it. The world's going to end. Losing one or two rules ain't that big of a deal. And Andy just murders thirst, so... No longer will people need to drink or anything like that. Thirst has been eliminated from the world. And I guess it depends on how far thirst goes. Is it just the need to drink water entirely, or is it the sensation that lets you know you need to drink 
Water. <laughs> Who knows? That's that's a problem for tomorrow, Andy. Yeah, it's a it's it, this is the one hunter's chapter of Undead Unlock, uh, I should uh, point out, and uh, it is a very Undead Unlock chapter of Undead Unlock. Just a bunch of stuff happens that you just gotta keep on going. So it's pretty yeah. crazy. Some crazy stuff yeah, happens. Um. Yeah, it's it's nice that he's got another, you know, just straight up like sidekick kind of character, considering that, you know, he and his previous one are very, very mushy bonded by souls and stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's nice to have someone who's just like kind of freaked out by everything again, honestly. So, yeah. And all right, let's move on real quick to Eden Zero, Chapter 181, Prelude to the Cade War. Uh, there's not a female on the cover this week, so it's barely uh, fan servicey. Just a normal-ass cover. It's weird to see it. Uh, we opened with Zhao Mei, as we often have to do in any situation in this series. Uh, Her eyes look weird in this in this bit. Yeah, Hero's not a particularly great artist. Um not a lot actually happens in her explanation. We, we she kind of just relays what we know from last chapter about how the Eden Zero has a plan and they're going to try to do the Operation Planet Eater. I'm honestly not even 100% certain why she was here at the start of this chapter. Uh it's not like a ton of details had to be added up. Uh the Eden Zero is uh, we had to have two more pages in order to fill out the chapter. Ah, I understand. Because we do have to fill about two pages up now with every member of the crew getting a shot as Captain Connor gives a speech about how he's like, I may have fled Leonard, but with this ship I can fight. And for the future, of course, because he's an old-timey pirate captain, he says all these like, Mateys, for the future are both machines! We, oi, we can't be doing that now! He, he, it takes a little bit away from it. Uh, but it's basically like, hey... I've chosen to fight. We're going to do this. I trust everybody here. We're going to, we're going to, you know, kill Ziggy, basically. We're going to, we're going to take back the cosmos. The day may come when men come crashing down in the seas, I say, and wolves be coming up from the seas and be ending the times of men. Or however the hell this speech goes, I, booty, poop deck. <laughs> When the raves come crashing down and there's hope inside. <laughs> um, we then cut over to Elsie's ship, the Skull Fairy, and we are introduced? Question mark? We introduced? I don't remember if we've seen these characters before. I think we had to have seen two of them. We definitely have. But I don't remember them at all. Uh, basically, Elsie's thirds in command or whatever who they're just like, hey, wow, this is crazy. Pirates are going to save this cosmos. And one of them's like, should we just steal everything? Like, we are pirates. Why don't we just steal it while we're saving it? And the one person's like, oh, but there's nothing on the planet but androids. And that's the end of that conversation. I'm like, so there's nothing valuable, any like no valuable metal. There's no, I guess the idea. Oh, you know, machinery is not valuable. Yeah, very odd thing. Um, she just says, I'm going to disembark on Leonard and join up with Eden Zero uh, crew. I know their plan, but I intend to destroy Ziggy first. Uh-oh, a wrinkle in the plan. Cut over to Holy Ship. Uh, we're introduced to Shiro and Ibuki, who are Holy's second in commands. And 
they're basically like, we're not super comfortable with you being over there, but we all know that it's part of the plan, because Holy Even alludes, like, and when the time comes, and they're like, we know, the immaculate military operation, yes? So, once again, continuing that there is uh, trouble in the mists, a plan about to happen. Rebecca gets in a fighter, and she continues her conflict from last week, where she's like, I'm kind of still not super comfortable knowing Norma was attacked because I was there. Like, this is really bad. And Happy's just like, yeah, but remember what I said. If that chronophage hadn't come along, we would have never known that version of him. But Rebecca brings up the, like, obvious counter of, like, there were a lot more people on Norma than Weiss, and I erased 50 of their years. Now, granted, we do also, like, the only two details we know of that were Weiss, which, I mean out of narrative sucks but in narrative i guess it's supposed to be a good thing and then saval or whatever his name was like the only two people who we saw had their time get eaten or whatever actually no the one in that version was an asshole was the one outside of it who was bad yeah really bad thing all around uh we're back uh, happy's just like look no you didn't you didn't erase their lives they just started new 50 years like weiss did what about the people who were less than 50 years old happy we don't bring up that. Everyone was at least 50. Come on. Uh, and Rebecca just kind of was like, all right, yeah, won't do any good to be angsty and so we're not going to do it. And she's like, I'm just going to go and summon that chronophage. And Cheeky pops in on the communicators like, if anyone can do it, we can. I'm going to be with you the whole time. I promise to keep you safe, Rebecca, no matter what. Aww. Um, they, they go off. Cheeky, before he flies off, tapes a picture of witch and valkyrie to his screen to be like give me strength ladies um i don't know how i feel about that scene i like it, it is a little bit weird that it's witch and valkyrie because i know that he was like a baby around them but he has no memory of valkyrie so it's it is a little bit odd. I guess I'm that. just mostly just like, where do you get pictures? <laughs> like, why wouldn't like this is the uh, future, right? Like, why do the pictures look like they're made of? Cl- I don't know why. It feels like it should be a sweet scene. Look at this photograph. Every time I see it, I get cut in half. So, <laughs> uh, so Shiki's like, all right, give me strength, and then they do everyone's favorite thing in Eden Zero. They have a space battle. Super comprehensive. Oh, wow. I can tell everything that's happening. Boom, 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 boom. And then Shiki activates his ether gear Magitek combination to do a gravity cannon. And Weiss says, Shiki, tone it down. And I'm like, why? why? <laughs> <laughs> You're not. Shiki, stop, stop helping us win the battle. <laughs> <laughs> Um, then they continue, but it's like, oh no, there's a bunch of rumbling. They're like, oh my God, what is that? What are those doing there? Dragons! And not just a couple, a whole bunch of them. We get a two page spread with a bunch of dragons who are all robotic. And this is not brought up in the narrative at all. So I'm just under the assumption that dragons are all robots in this universe, I guess. Um, and then they're like, wait a minute. Are you saying Crow isn't the only Galactica to join Iggy, Ziggy, whatever his name is? 
and uh, we get a reintroduction to God, Acnoelia, who's definitely not Acnologia, the mother of dragons. She's with Ziggy, too. Bump, 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 bump. Dramatic reverb. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, this character I've never met before is also here. Yeah. It also does, I feel like, take a little bit away from crow's inclusion in the story to be like and also another one is here so part of me wonders if eden zero is trying to wrap itself up a little quicker like i don't think this i don't want to say like i don't want to imply oh the series is getting canceled or that it's going to wrap up this year or anything like that but there was kind of like an initial setup right before the time skip when they kind of teased all of the members of the ration six and it's like I feel like we're just going to kind of start trying to knock those out one after the other. Maybe there's one giant arc after this, and then we're definitely kind of kind of wrap things up. So it's like, all right, let's get her in here, too. I don't know. I mean, there's definitely a number of series that are kind of ending more suddenly than I thought that they might uh, of late. So. All right, let's talk about our newer stuff, mm-hmm. uh, beginning with Ak- Akane Panashi. Story three, first performance. There's kind of a cute little detail here where we actually just get a one page thing of Akane and uh, Arakawa not Arakawa, Arakawa is the name of the school and Arakawa is the name Arakawa that I guess all was... of them have oh, okay I thought Arakawa was the uh, the the one dude <laughs> yeah thanks Chris well I thought Arakawa was the, the master or whatever he is, but okay. I think that it's name of the school and like all of the performers under that school all have that as part of their ah, title. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Gordico is uh, is the guy's name. So, but we anyway, we just see uh, a shot of like the two of them getting on his motorcycle in order to get there. It's like, oh, OK, yeah, that, that's how they're getting to the performance. Fair enough. Uh, we see them arriving and uh the woman who has the Rakuo cafe ms yoshino thinks that guriko is going to be the one performing she's like oh yeah that'll be fine he's he's you know he's he's good this this will be great but it's like i don't know it's not me it's uh, it's gonna be her that's performing and she's shocked because akane of course is a teenager she's wearing a school uniform and she also notes like she also looks really flashy and it's like it's a detail that we haven't really talked about, but yeah, like the tips of Akane's hair are dyed and she's got earrings and stuff. So yeah, she is actually quite flashy, which is a bit unusual for a Rakugo performer because it's supposed to be a very traditional thing. Um, so there's like, oh, this is really weird, but Akane is very proper with Ms. Yoshino. She you know, gets this very, very formal introduction, bows deeply. And so her concerns are assuaged briefly. And Greg is like, you weren't acting like that before. What the fuck's with this? What are you talking about, sir? I am always behaving very proper. I am being very normal. Um, and at first it seems like she might just be kind of like taking the shit out of Gariko, But as it turns out, she's very nervous because it's her first performance. So she's being a bit stiffer from normal. Uh, and she's like trying to tell herself like, I'm fine. I, I, I've just got, you know, I'm just, you know, really excited. I'm not nervous. Uh, my body's shivering because of anticipation, not nerves. So she walks off stiffly. Garika realizes, okay, she's really nervous. Uh, we get a brief shot of everyone kind of looking around like, oh, who's this Akane person that's going to be performing? 
Guri uh, checks in on Akane before she's about to go on, and she's very distracted and stuff. And so he's like, hey, uh, I get you're nervous, so do the thing where, you know, you write the kanji for person on your dominant hand and swallow it. It, it works like a charm. And she's like, I know to do that. Like, what? Come on. Like, I know what it means. You know, it means like you're devouring the audience before they devour you. And Kuriko says, like, actually, that's wrong. You're not devouring the audience. Rakugoka used their dominant hand to signify dominating the audience. Even Master does this time to time to, before really big shows. And Amelia kind of starts doing it. And she's like, ah, so. To uh, elaborate on that, I need to figure out the exact, or I don't remember it exactly, but that that was basically their way of translating. There's like a pun in like the kanji and the way hand and like audience is. That's why it's like swallowing your hand is supposed to be like swallowing the audience. So actually it was a pretty good way to try to translate that and get the point across. Yeah. I, I thought it uh, worked quite well. I didn't even think it was a very awkward turn of phrase in the moment. So, uh, and you know, he says some typical things to try and reassure her. And Akane says, okay, thanks. I do, I do feel a bit better now. And she ties her hair back in a ponytail and she goes out on stage she bows before everyone. She is once again nervous because she realizes, like, oh, man, being out on stage is really different. And also, even though there's all these people here, I actually feel really alone. And all anything that I experience up here, success, failure, it's all coming down to me. No one's going to come and help me. And it's kind of terrifying. But I came here of my own free will. So I'm not going to chicken out. Just execute. Take Everything I've built up, everything that exists inside of me, summon it right here and now. And when she's thinking about this, she thinks about her lessons with Shigama and also about watching her dad when she was a kid. And she puts it all out there. And she uh, starts telling a story and immediately we start kind of switching more into other characters, analyzing her, especially Guriko. And she he thinks like, OK, you know, she's got good projection from her voice. Her movements are sharp, but it's that's not all there is to this. And we get this explanation for once from the narrative explaining, you know, what goes into Rakugo and explaining that Rakugo isn't just you tell a story. You don't just deliver a speech. You have to depict conversation. You have to perform different characters and you have to get an, uh, an emotional reaction out of the audience through the interactions between all the characters that you yourself play. It's a one man show and you have to present everything yourself, every character, all the narration, and you're the only person doing all of it. And that's why Arakagoka has to utilize facial expressions, gestures, and vocal mannerisms. And there's this one really cool little bit that depicts that where she depicts a snake by you know, gesturing with her arm all at the same time she's flicking her tongue out and she's describing the noise that the tongue makes and everything all at once. And it's like, oh, that's really cool. You do it all together at once to, to do one little element and to demonstrate all the things that you've just established in the, narr in the narration, what she's got to do. So nice. Very clever. Um, and she tells this story, which is to, to make it very brief, is about a bunch of people explaining what they're all afraid of. And then one character claims that he is afraid of nothing except for Manju. Little sweet Manju buns. Oh, I'm terrified of them. And as she gets more and more into the story, 
more people realize like, oh, this is reminding me of something. And the uh, woman who oversees the cafe, she thinks, wait, why does this all feel familiar? And she gets it together and realizes, wait a minute, she's acting just like Shin-Chan. Of course, Akane's dad. So, um, And as Akane gets more into the story, she delivers this pun and the audience starts laughing and uh, Guriko is very impressed and as she gets more into it, he thinks she's really bold on stage. You would never think she was actually doing this for the first time. Forget about being scared of Manju. You're the most terrifying thing I've seen lately. And there's this very, very nice juxtaposition of that line with her, you know, doing a comedic little pose for the story. Cause she, it's like, she's stuffing her face with Manju and she delivers the punchline, which is like, Oh no, I'm so scared of Manju. Oh, I'm so good. You know? So, um, and that, that's basically it. We just get one last little note, which is that Shigama had asked the woman in charge of the cafe to give him her thoughts on Akane's performance. And she's like, what kind of a fucking prank is this? What am I fucking supposed to say about this? I'm at a loss for words. She's incredible. That's all I can say. Yeah. Uh, I want to give a, a special attention to, I believe it was Oda in our discord. O O T A who posted an image that made me laugh. It's the, uh, the scene from one piece where they're introduced to Kami, the mermaid and Zoro sees her and immediately thinks of the mermaid he met in water seven and he erases her him, her from his memory to be like, oh, it's the first time I've seen it. It was that, but it was with me and Actage in this series where I was like, oh, this is the first time I've ever seen like an acting series like this. Really good. <laughs> got a good laugh out of me. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I'm really liking Akane Banashi so far. I thought this was a great chapter to demonstrate, you know, what's what's cool about it and to just get you into like, hey, Akane's cool. Look at how cool she is. Look at how cool her expressions are. So, yeah. Matt, now, Nick, we run into the big question. It's the first one of the year. It we, is. We could establish the tone of 2022 with this. We've read three chapters of it. Do we want to continue reading Akane Banashi on the podcast i don't know i think that we we gotta potentially hold on to that slot for earth child um <laughs> well you know it's yeah you, know, you get good series is this series gonna stay good for i mean look this is no i tell c i could say that right now it's no i tell c um for better and for worse yeah, <laughs> just just for worse i feel like uh <laughs> uh i will say because i feel like everybody's kind of in agreement we enjoy this series these three chapters have been very good i would like to see hopefully the series does more cool things i will say this like we've seen a lot of series that we've liked and kind of early nine balls dragon parade and um whatever just got canceled relatively recently. <laughs> i can't remember <laughs> mine's mine's not all there anyway um uh, i'm sure it was great uh <laughs> I think this one will really hurt if we lose it, but sometimes, sometimes you want to feel that hurt, you know? Yeah. Uh, like I said last week, I'm going to take as much of the series as I can get, uh, even if it is canceled early. So I would rather us uh, start talking about this now and lose it in three months than us just stop talking about it here. Uh, and then it has any other fate. So mm. Um, yeah, 
I'm definitely in favor, especially because not to get too into it, but we're going to need to start adding a couple things into the recap. Well, we, we have a series still on the docket we need to add. So that that'll that'll be something we're going to have to discuss when we, we do we get a little bit further into this recap. Um, sort that out. So, but in the meantime, let's talk about the piece of crap we add to the recap. <laughs> That this was such a bad idea. Doron, the, the, Doron. Dingle, the Dingleberry Weekly Manga Recap that we can't get rid of no matter how many times we wipe. <sighs> so, last time in Doron Dororon, there was a council to decide what would be done in Kusanagi. They've decided not to execute him. It's chapter 12, Provisional Samurai. I wonder what happens in this chapter. Uh, the director of the council has a little conversation with Kusanagi, and um, they talk about various things, as it turns out. And uh, then the guy comes outside, and he lets Dora go in, and um, Heisuke... Oh, gee, uh, it talks to him and the director is like, yeah, we were talking about a bunch of stuff because I'd never gotten a chance to talk to him. But no, before, like I got to ask him about his favorite celebrities and he holds up an idol magazine. OK. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, I don't sense that Kusanagi is evil, so I would like to observe it in action. Of course, I don't intend to let it loose unmonitored. And he gestures with the idol magazine at Heisuke and says, I want you to team up and keep them under control. And so he thinks about this and he's like, I never intended for this when I have stood up for them. What a pain. But how can I say that now? And he's like, what? I didn't intend for that when I stuck up for them. What a pain. Oops, I said it. I don't. I, I Man, he's killing me. This character in particular feels like I'm just... It's, I don't know how to describe it. I've said it several times already. I don't like it's like the the person who has read this is it like who wrote this is an alien and they've only heard about comedy a little bit. They don't understand it. They're just like, ah, it would be funny if there was like an expectation and then we dashed it. But no one ever told him like, all right, well, like give you got to like let it lead in a little bit like give a little bit of like a pay like some time to like brew and just like no immediately now <laughs> <laughs> it feels like said alien writer would be way funnier if they stopped trying to make jokes you know kind yeah. of thing um so the leader is like well you have to do this because only you can do it and he's like well fine but the minute it acts up, and he also says, if it acts up, eliminate immediately. I'll leave it to your discretion. Okay, fine. One week later, hey, Dora's fine. He's all recovered. Kusanagi is also fine. They're like, hey, thanks, Heisuke, for looking after us. Ginchio said, you saved us and stood up for Kusanagi. You didn't need her to tell you that. You were... Never mind. You had to be extremely strong to defeat that Mononoke. And we owe you our lives. And Kusanagi's like, thank you for defending me. You're such a kind person. I'm really grateful. And Heisuke has to go. He makes a really grimacy, vain-addled face at them. And they're like, oh, man, did we do something wrong? Uh, maybe he's just, like, really stoic. And he's like, oh, don't don't put, praise me and stuff. And Heisuke turns around from them. And he's like, I had to make a grimace to keep from weeping with joy because they respect me so much i will say this there is at least a beat to that joke so i can't be upset with it on its construction it is not a funny joke 
but it is at least a properly told joke. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. Like if you had to, they finally actually figured out like the chemical composition of a joke. So yeah. Dora gets a uh, a trainee samurai uniform, so he is a potential samurai now, and it's uh, uh, kind of weird because uh, so <sighs> okay, so <laughs> I want to explain something. So I'm going to do this in parts. So part one, so we show off Dora in this in this in this uniform, and. Uh, so Kusanagi is looking at him and he's bouncing up and down while sparkling, which means I immediately am suspicious that the audience is going to go, oh, well, best chapter because Kusanagi was sparkling and being cute while jumping up and down, which, eh. so part, so secondly, independent of this, we, we get this shot of Dora in this uniform. Yes. Proceed immediately by a sign that says supply room. Like. Okay, they get into a supply room. And Dora's got this uniform, and then they go on to say, "Like, hey, you're in this trainee uniform now." And Kusanagi's like, "Dora, you look awesome." Dora was already wearing this uniform. So, so I, I will note. No, wait, it's not the same uniform. It's, it's not the it's, same. It's, it's it's they're identical. Oh my god! Well, that's okay. So hold on. So that is the intentional, ah! that is the joke of this, because Hisuke does bring up, like, it doesn't really look like he changed at all. He, the only thing about his outfit is that the logo's changed, basically, and, like, I think maybe there's not a stripe on the arms with this one. Otherwise, and, like, the collar is black. Otherwise, it is basically an identical outfit to what he was wearing before, and it is the joke that he looks the same. I don't know why we're doing a joke about like costuming changing when it's only been 12 chapters. Like I've really grown deeply attached to fucking Dora's costume or whatever. And, um, period, I guess I, Nick, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm trying to find care. I'm trying to find an iota of interest for this series to talk about it. And every time I see Hisuke's face, I feel myself drained a little bit more like I'll, like the blood is vanishing from my body. And there's just this this mummified husk that's going to look at the end. And you're going to be like, how would you feel about it? And I'm going to be like, it sucked. And that's it. Like, that's all I can muster from this series. God, I will be dust. So, uh, so I, I, first off, I want to issue an apology to uh, Eden Zero for all that criticism of Shiki potentially getting an artificial eye, and then no, he doesn't. He just takes his bandage off. So, look, at least I noticed there was a difference there. <laughs> uh, Heisuke starts telling everyone, hey, I'm an awesome Monoke Eliminator and stuff, and you're under my command now, and you better produce strong results. And then Kusanagi's like, what about Kinshio? Heisuke's like, what, you don't, you don't want to work with me? And they're like, well, we thought we would work as a team with Kinshio because she's our friend and stuff. And he says, well, Kinshio is going to work under a different samurai officer. She's going over there now. <laughs> a moment where I was like, I don't know how to feel about this. Because on one hand, I'm like, well, this was another prominent female character in a shonen manga who's been pushed aside for the male characters to have the spotlight, which is a shame. But on the other hand... I hated Genshiho, so <laughs> I'm kind of glad she's not in the story anymore. 
least I got a grip on what her personality was, though. <laughs> to a More small than I... extent, yeah. Yeah. It felt uh, less like Hisuke, where I feel like any joke will fit him at the given moment they use it. Because, like, I didn't quite grasp the, the layer of his personality, where it's like, I've been praised by a junior. I If I don't grimace my face in horror and anger, I would literally weep for joy over how excited this makes me. And I'm like, I guess that's a trait of his personality. I wouldn't have picked up on that beforehand, but all right, sure. So Dora and Kusanagi are like, okay, let's work together to get stronger. And Dora held out his fist for a fist bump and Kusanagi headbutts it and goes squish. Oh my God, so cute. Best manga ever. So then they go and spar. And Heisuke is like, all right, so your Mononoke is a sword now. Okay, I've got to evaluate your abilities, so come at me. And Dora's like, well, it would be dangerous to attack another person. And Heisuke's like, oh, so this is what it feels like. I told my instructors the same thing and they got really annoyed by it. Anyway... Let's go. And he glows with power and they go after each other. He knocks Dora into the wall and he's like, well, I really was going easy on them. Are you really that weak? And Dora's like, hey, don't run against us if we hurt you. And so Dora goes after them and swings Kusanagi and Heisuke is like, uh, and then his sword gets snapped in half because of the supernatural energy. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's a lot of power. But boy, his sword play sure is sloppy. And he takes out a pen and he pokes Dora in the forehead with it, and it's a sharp pen, and it causes blood to spurt out. And Dora's like, what the fuck, dude? And Heisuke's like, yeah, well, I mean, we were just sparring with swords. Anyway, if that was a Monoke attack, you'd be dead now. And Dora's like, no, I wouldn't. I'm all tough and stuff. And Heisuke's like, no, you, you don't have supernatural energy. Look at the way I can spin this pen. Look at the way I can spin this pen. Anyway, you need supernatural energy to defend yourself. It acts as like super armor and stuff. So you're the weak point. Sure, you can swing Kusanagi around all powerfully and stuff and produce good attacks. But if you leave yourself open, look at the way I spin this pen, then you'll get killed because you don't have super energy armor. Now, Nick, this might be us being old and showing our age. I believe pen spinning is or at least was i don't know if it still is and it may not have transferred to japan was a fad with kids yeah, it absolutely was so yeah, I, or relatively recently i know there was one as well um so I, I uh yeah when i was in, when i was in high school i knew a, a, several different people who were really good at it so yeah so maybe this series is trying to hook all those cool young kids who are like Oh, I saw Hisuke spin a pen really cool. I love this series. And then, like, maybe next chapter, he's going to, like, do a water bottle flip. And he's like, see, <laughs> I nailed it. And all the kids are going to be like, this fucking rules. Hisuke is the best. And next time he fights a, a Mononoke, he's like, check out my fidget spinner moves. And he, <laughs> he has, like, two fidget spinners in each hand. And they're like, this guy's the coolest. He does everything I like. He fights wall dabbing. He's just like, huh? Constantly hand. <laughs> he just this, this guy's eyes constantly glued to his the inside of his elbow while he's slashing freely with the other arm, and he keeps quoting Minecraft streamers. Yeah, everyone's like, "This guy's the best. I love this series. I'm gonna buy a show to jump subscription so that I can vote and keep it around." Then he ends up quoting the other kind of Minecraft streamers, and people are like, "Oh, he's racist." Oh no, so you can't say that. You can't do that. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, so to focus on the positives for a brief moment. Okay. I do like that an actually, you know, intelligent point got brought up at the end mm. of this chapter, which is, yeah, Dora doesn't have any supernatural energy to serve as a defense, which means he will die immediately if he gets struck because he doesn't fight well. So it's not the Heisuke saying you can't become a guard thing, just like they said in chapter one. It's look, this is something you've got to overcome because literally I can't be responsible for you going out and dying because I sent you out there when I knew you it was this was a possibility. Yeah. So No, it's a good point. I, I also kind of like the joke of him being like, Oh, so this is what it's like to be the instructor when a cocky student is just like, You better watch out, I'm gonna beat you up. I was like, all right, like the idea that they're both kind of at one time coming from the same place. It's mildly amusing. Um the series as a whole isn't great, but uh Everyone chats like you gotta get rid of it, replace it with something else. I'll say I'm gonna table that discussion for a little bit. Mm. Let's move on to Earth Child. Earth Child Chapter Two. And so the moon swore never to turn away. Uh <sighs> well, Nick, there's less plot in this chapter, so you don't have to you don't have to go through as much so in a much so much less plot so um he's sad that his Ray is his name he's sad that um Kareri uh, is her name that she sacrificed her life to save the earth and the government's like, hey, your son's an earth child. Uh, and uh, apparently that's uh, a thing. So we think that uh, you should let us take him in. Just forget everything and entrust your son to us because we've got all the tools to make sure. And hey, look, we even brought along this device that will totally make you forget about everything that happened up to this point with you and Kareri. It's better off if you just forget everything right here and right now. Come on, we can do it. We can do it. Come on, agree. Come on. And then Race goes like, but her butt. <laughs> look, <laughs> he doesn't say that specifically. Look, I to to clarify. Literally, the moment that Race first encountered Carreri, she stopped a truck from running him over, while he had fallen in the street, and so he was behind her and at a lower angle, thus looking at her butt. It's not super pronounced because she's at least wearing shorts. But he was looking at her butt. And so every single time that he remembers the dramatic and important moment they first met, he's going, oh, but Carreri's butt. I can't forget about her. It's not as bad as certain other series, but yeah, it, it, especially with the way the, the the word bubbles are framed there, it basically frames her butt in the shot specifically. I have to clarify, this was an artistic ch choice that was made to frame Carreri this way in this moment that's going to be recycled through presumably the entire lifespan of this manga. It did not have to be framed this way at all. So we're going to so. have to see it 18 more times? <sighs> Depends on how many in each chapter. So, um, oh, Reiske is like, oh, I don't want to forget the son I've had with someone so dear to my heart. And so the agent is like, you know what? Fuck you. 
<laughs> give us the shine. Give I us do, the candy. I do like that eventually it's just like, all right, I mean, like, we weren't really going to, like, this was happening. I don't, like, we posed it like it was a deal, but it's just happening. <laughs> to tell you, we're like a secret government agency. It's just happening. There's a very odd moment where Reisuke is like, I have to grab Mamoru and run away. And, like, he lunges forward to scoop up his son. And he's very clearly, like, in a position where his chest should be positioned with his son. And two people fall on top of him. And I was like, did they just crush the baby that they're trying to take? <laughs> that would have been the funniest end of the chapter. It's just like, boom. They're like, oh, I guess that solves one Oh, you problem. idiots! <laughs> But no, for some reason, they push him down in a way so that he's no longer angled that way. I don't know. It's 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 weird framing. And they're just like, look, get the fuck out of here. You don't, you, you're you just some nobody. You can't raise this kid. He's got psychic powers and stuff. We're going to erase your mind now. But then Reisuke is like, oh, I remember when I went to the zoo with Kareri and with Mamoru and how she was like, yeah. And then and, and, and Kareri's like. That'll have, yeah, if you're around, then he'll have stability and stuff, and you should be around him. And in the present, race is like, I'll raise him to be the greatest hero. And he just like erases fucking memories, and he goes, I, 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 <coughs> I will add to our earlier conversation, there is also a scene where the two of the, the three family members hug. And then that one, the artist also chose to make sure that her butt was emphasized in the shot. So that is probably the one reason why I try to like, I'm like, all right, I think this dude might just like butts a lot. Cause like, it's another weird shot to be like, I make sure the butts in that shot. Got to get it a good butt shot. And then, yeah, so, it just gets electrocuted or whatever. Oof. Oh, his memories are totally gone now. They're definitely gone this time. Definitely. Uh, -huh. uh memories fading. Gone. Dead. <laughs> And uh, the agents are like, all right, we're done here. Let's take this child and go. We're definitely the good guys. Oh, man, the child's psychic powers are crushing his windpipe. Ah! Oh, stopping all the agents. Blood spurting out everywhere. They're definitely just immediately I, dead. I, the moment he did that, I was like, dude, this baby just fucking killed a man. And I was like, dude, I can't wait to see where this goes. So for the dude later on to pop back up and just be like, well, I guess everything worked itself back up. <laughs> he like straightens his ties. Like, I guess I'll hit the old dusty trail. You won't need me here anymore. It's like, hold on. <laughs> you got your windpipe crushed. Blood is spurting out of necks and eyes and mouths. And all these people survive. They're fine. That's it's just okay. It's a baby. Uh, it doesn't know the important organs to hit. It's just, it was crushing everything. So, yeah, it was yeah. just going after, you know, the unimportant arteries. So in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <And> the neck. <laughs> so Rayscape for like three seconds is like, what's going on? Why is there a baby here? Wait a minute. That's my baby. Mine in Carreri's. Ah! I remember that butt that I enjoy. That butt gave me that baby eventually. <laughs> uh, so they're like, wait a minute. This person. This very normal civilian might be pivotal in preventing a global crisis. The child needs a parent. Could he? You know, Carreri always did have a sweet butt, didn't she? <laughs> I, 
It really does tickle me that this dude got his fucking throat crushed and then he just pops back up. He's like, you know, Carreri probably would have wanted this. Now that <laughs> like, it really just sounds like somebody's like, well, I got my ass handed to me by a baby, so perhaps it's time to play the other side of this match. Like, you know what I've always wanted? Parents raising their kids by their own. That's what I've always said. Congratulations, Race Kid. You passed the test. Please don't sick your horrible son on us. <laughs> this was all an elaborate ruse to test your character to make sure. <laughs> Look, I have a butterfly AI that will back up my story. <laughs> Marty is on the ground over there dying, but I, I know that he would also enjoy the decision we've come to right here. Uh Anyway, uh, do you want to come with us to headquarters so you can go see your wife, I guess? <laughs> oh, it's the twist at the end of the chapter. Is Carreri actually alive or is... Uh, whatever. Bum, All right. Bum, 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 bum. Can, we, can we just... Can we talk about PPPPPP, please? <laughs> I, the only thing I want to add is... I'm like, retreating. <laughs> the last chapter we were like, I have no idea where this is going to go. And, like, I heard a lot of different theories, and I was really, like, baffled. I was like, oh, man, as of right now, it really looks like they're choosing in a series that has two superheroes to follow the normal dude that connects the two of them. I was like, all right, this is a bold choice, but I guess we're going with it. So, uh, what is your pivotal role in this story, Reisuke? I stuck my dick in that one and made that one. Do you have like any other personality traits? Like I'm safe and relatable. Yeah. Well, not relatable, not relatable. I'm too boring to be relatable. I'm safe. Anyway, let's move on to P P P P P P. So uh, I have a puzzle for you, Chris. <gasps> for me. Okay. Yeah, I was right I was worried I wouldn't have one uh, this time. I just I just didn't think of one all week, and then. Fortunately, right before we started, I was like, ah, God. fire it off. All right. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. <sighs> Ponytailed partisan prunes punctures preposterous pipes. Is it Shawn Michaels HBK? No, it is not. Oh, I used to kick people. Oh, wait. No, hold on. Wait. Hold on. Go, give me one more time. Ponytailed partisan prunes punctures preposterous pipes is it <sighs> ponytail no umaga didn't have a ponytail <laughs> did not have a ponytail no but he punctured a lot of windpipes with the samoan spike so he, i guess he did yes prunes punctures preposterous pipes and it's not funakai it is not funaki no <laughs> Ponytail, ponytail. Think of the most memorable wrestler I know with a ponytail. Big Show. He did have a ponytail. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> Everyone just thinks the bald, but yeah, no, 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 it's not. I, it's not I, I do not know. I think I'm going to uh, like an ankle lock. Tap out of this one. This is about Bailey. Ah, oh, okay, okay. I could prunes. See when she got a haircut and she punctured her wacky inflatable arm flailing to Ben, which yeah. are the preposterous pipes. So like, you know what? It makes sense. Everything in here lines up. Good one. Good one. <laughs> Is it the baby from her? 
No, it's not the baby from her child, Lazarus. All right. Let's get into the chapter proper now. Chapter 22, The Otogami Family. Uh, so um, there is an explanation here about pathetic, which... Uh, um, <laughs> all right, I'm just going to read this. Uh, when it was composed, Skriabin's homeland, the Russian Empire, was on the verge of collapse. This piece incorporates his struggles and sadness because in it he compares the past to, to the present. And it's rumored he was influenced by Chopin's revolutionary etude, which is the piece that Furusu is practicing. In the revolutionary etude, the Russian Empire is suppressing the Polish uprising. And Pathetique is about the Russian Empire heading toward its demise. In my opinion, they have nothing to do with each other. But I think you can also say that that is why Chopin influenced Scriabin. And I'm sorry for all the names I mispronounced. I don't know anything about classical music. Okay. Um, so Lucky is left to think about all of this. And he's like, okay, so I can't express a revolution or the downfall of Russia because I've never experienced them. Wait a few months, Lucky. Uh, instead, I'll play the piece based on music analysis and my life experiences. And he thinks about the advice of Dada Sensei to play for everyone, not just for someone in, in particular. So he's like, okay, so that experience I'm going to draw from, it also has to be something that a lot of people want to experience. Because I don't want to make people sad. No one wants to experience that. But thanks to all this. Da, da, da. Anyway, it's time for Lucky's performance at the competition. We see uh, various characters just kind of meeting up uh, and talking about stuff. Uh, Mimin uh, manages to spot Miloli in the crowd, but there's a bunch of media in the way who are like, oh my god, you're so good at playing piano. And she's like, get? No! No! I Leave me alone! <laughs> Why are you so drawn to me? Is it because I stand out in some way? Oof, hair everywhere, so... Um, so then, um, the character who's been here for a while, but who I don't know the importance of because I didn't read <laughs> chapters like four through 17 or something like that. Uh, they're there when Furuser arrives and they say, don't you want to hear Sonoda's performance? If you don't, that's fine. What's amusing right. is you're like, I missed a lunch and you're like, not really. This dude just showed up in a chapter and was like. Lucky, I need your help. And Lucky solved his problem next week, and he's just been showing up every week since then. All right. Lucky gives himself one last little pep talk, and then it's time for him to go on stage. He is introduced as Lucky Sonoda, and uh, we get a little bit of commentary from the peanut gallery, and uh, research dude is like, uh, he's he's ready. Uh, and Maloli's like, what is? Oh, Music analysis is a good tool, especially when it really clicks. Okay. Uh, people get set to watch Lucky play. And then Lucky is thinking to himself as he begins playing, I need to change who the audience will experience. The first is the lady who lived next door to us from when we lived in Japan. We'd see her buying bread every day. And in that moment, Mimin imagines herself walking down the street carrying bread. She's like, why do I have bread? Which <laughs> <laughs> I do love that particular panel. What? 
bread, but why? <laughs> Which is like, fair question. <laughs> but I from the perspective like the of implication that you can play music in such a way to imagine people carrying bread. Like someone was like, do, 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 do. And I'm like, oh my God, it's like I'm there with bread. <laughs> <laughs> we quickly see that the true purpose of this evocation is to see this woman carrying bread's perspective of the family all leaving their home. And it is uh, all of these uh, septuplets and their parents all in this long two-page spread. Uh, and the minute's like, oh my god, it's us from the past. And other people in the audience are seeing it too and being like, oh my god, why do I see Gakuan Otogami there and all of the, all of the sextuplets? Although um, some of them clearly aren't getting the same feeling because they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? So, oh. But then, of course, people were also realized like, wait a minute, it's not the sextuplets. Why are there seven of them there? Uh, and then Lucky changes the perspective people are seeing it from to instead see from Reijiro's perspective. He apologizes to his brother when he says this, and he thinks to himself, I know you've been keeping it a secret, but today I'm going to reveal the past through my music. And the shot we see to close out the chapter in a whole full-page spread is Lucky getting smacked across the face by his fucker of a dad. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge thing, um, Lucky. And it really does tie into like the whole thing of expressing sadness through music as well, and Lucky having to, to, to face that. I think this is definitely a very interesting thing. Um, this this development is, is kind of significant, not just in that there was a seventh Otogomi child, but... Uh, there was a lot of abuse going on, and I'm curious to see how much is going to happen. Of course, because Lucky's music seems to only affect certain people, I wonder how much this will actually get out. But this is definitely like, mm -hmm. ooh, I'm curious to see what happens next. And how Mamin responds to this. Yeah. Um, it'll also be interesting because Lucky kept on this, uh, you know, stating like, I don't want to make people sad. And it's like, all right. So what kind of twist is this vision you're evoking going to take then to not make everyone be like, oh, I feel bad about this. <laughs> it should immediately then cut to Mamin about to get slapped and she instead just bit her dad's hand, which is canonically what she did. Which that is what happened, was yes. Pretty, was pretty dope. Um, but with that out of the way, Nick, let's move to Dr. Stone. Yeah. It's time to get stoned for one last time next week yeah it's the second to last chapter of dr stone as it turns out uh -huh. um we knew that this was coming uh and i guess it makes sense because we are still in that you know window where series are ending and series are beginning so as it turns out the second series that's uh being taken out of shonen jump is dr stone as it uh reached its conclusion kind of suddenly but not really that suddenly because dr stone's always had a weird pace um and uh we get some color pages to uh kind of bring us in to this uh first off senku is going to have a conversation with the wyman while surrounded by them and then we just see this two-page spread i was like oh it's very nice it's it's everyone 
not everyone, but a few people, you know, eaten at a ramen cart that uh, Chrome and Suica are running. And it's and it's Senku and Byakuya eating together. And that's They're sweet. astronauts together now. It's very yeah. sweet. So Senku proceeds to speak with the Y-Men and is like, oh, wow, you can do all sorts of stuff with, you know, your different gravity defying abilities and stuff. And uh, so one of them is like, yeah, check this out. We can even assume your form. Oh, well, that's terrifying. It's a giant skull made of little metal points. <laughs> we told this would be comforting to you. <laughs> we have assumed a form that you would not be terrified by. Would you like us to sing to you? <laughs> Actually, this is fucking sweet. Yes, please continue. <laughs> this is pretty metal. I'm not going to lie. I do love death metal. So this is all on my checklist. Uh, but as they take this form, Senku's like, huh, so you can ignore gravity. Well, that gives me an idea. And we don't see the words that are exchanged between them at this moment. We just kind of cut outside of the swarm to where Stanley Okohaku are being like, what, what, what's going on here? I'm kind of worried about this. What if they've petrified Senku? Um, and so the Y-Men suddenly announce... Necessary intellect to replicate our kind is lacking by your kind. We now abandon this planet for another gift of petrification to be granted at this time. Do not flee. Uh, and a bunch of the Y men start glowing with petrification uh, beams about to unleash. And Stanley uh, acts and, and um, I think he shoots. I think. It's a little bit difficult to tell because there's a lot going on on these panels. Um, well, he holds it up. I think they see it. They remember the net and they're like, if you do this, a bunch of us will die. And, to, uh, and, and Stanley's like, oh, I'm not shooting so long as you back up. Basically, being like, I'm trusting Senku here. Mm. Um, and Kohaku is like, yeah, we've got to actually keep negotiations going. And that's about the only thing we can do right now. I like that to continue the metal imagery, the uh, uh, Medusas have also now grafted themselves a crown on top of their horrific skull that they're using to communicate with Senku. It's pretty fucking metal. It's fine. Yeah, it's a normal thing that you would just naturally do. You would just do that. <laughs> We're like, we know it. We would like to be in an imagery you would like. But we also are going to add a couple of details that rule. <laughs> Check out these sweet flame decals. <laughs> We're going to play some Cinderella and other stuff that rocks. <laughs> like, all right. Cinderella? Yes, with an S. Oh. <laughs> Come on. So, uh, Senk is like, all right, back to what I was saying before, <laughs> before you decided to up and try and freeze us all again. Forget about finding another planet. Work with us. And then maybe we can team up and craft something truly out of this world. And the Y-Men say, probability is near 0% of that plant succeeding. And Senku says, yeah, near 0. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. But near 0 means it ain't 0. Not when it comes to us. And for some fucking reason, he has a stone axe in his pouch. This would be fucking useless for the kind of environment you're what in on the moon. What if they were just like, 
What if Y Man's just a dude? And we just fucking bludgeon him to death. We just beat the not like backup plan. We just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> we just fucking fucking kneecap his legs and just start going to town on him. All right, thank you. That sounds brutal. I'm for it, but I have a question. Why use the most rudimentary possible tool for it? Why wouldn't we use like I don't know, even like a lead pipe? That so you won't be seeing this one coming though. <laughs> lead pipe. What are you, an amateur? What about a stick what tied with a big clue? rock? What is this fucking clue? Come on. Fancy I've got a much better weapon. And this one passes through metal detectors. You know, we're, we're, we're going to the moon. We've got to go through, through customs, so this will get through it. Yeah. Mean old rock hammer. <laughs> Um, remember when I first yeah, emerged you know, from the stone and I looked up and I said ah my first friend of the new stone world Stonehammer <laughs> <laughs> and I used it to gonna bludgeon so many skulls with this thing I can't wait to kill a man with this one day <laughs> also like you know build scientific achievements and stuff but mostly murder there's no law in this world <laughs> ain't no law haven't made them yet so you can do whatever Stanley and Kohaku are outside. They're like, Senku, has he just like always been this like sociopathic? Kohaku thinks back. He's like, yeah, you know, it's great. We can like invent ramen and stuff, kill people, invent the wheel, kill people. No uh, one's here to and, judge uh, our you actions. Know, cell phones. That's great too. Also, I've never felt the feeling of blood washing down my face. Uh, what do you think it feels like? Anyway, gotta go invent some stuff. Come with me, Koaku. <laughs> Suddenly, the twist that it was uh, potentially going to be robot Senku up in space is like a lot more realistic. You're like, oh, because it was based off the, the the. I have to stop the evil Senku. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you were built off of the buying profile of a psychopath. Uh, but. Senku establishes like, yeah, I started off with simple tools and look at how far we've come in just 10 short years. Minus all the delays from us getting frozen and stuff. We're here on the moon. Mad impressive. And uh, the Y-Man skull goes and uh, explodes outward and explodes up into the sky and declares unable to honor request. Abandonment is your kind's fate. My kind will seek other planets and more intelligent organisms. However, and one of the Y-Men drops off and declares, I may be taken by you and only I. This body is yours to destroy, to kill. You speak of a creation out of this world that excites me. Probability is near zero percent, but enough for one alone to wager everything on your kind. Show Acceptable. me radical attitude. <laughs> Do a kickflip. <laughs> you seem Wicked. like you seem like four teens with attitude. Stanley's like, I'm an adult. There's only three of us. <laughs> I have a husband. <laughs> sweet. You <wicked> do? Sweet. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? Yeah, me and Zeno. Didn't you know that? Oh, wow! No, I had no idea! Saying is like, that's super cool. That's definitely something I'm comfortable with in my kingdom of silence. Uh, science. We're gonna, 
We're going to talk about some things when we get back, though. Senku's got rules to put down. <laughs> like, oh, I don't like, I don't like picking Senku as much. I like you better when you were a psychopath who killed people with a hammer. It's Look, like, I'm totally fine with what you guys do. It's just, I don't think, you know, you should be able to do everything. You know, it'd be like weird and stuff. And I'm the one with the hammer. I'll have you I'm just saying. I have a gun. <laughs> I'm just saying poop leaves the butt. Nothing should be going in. <laughs> Nothing. What are the suppositories? Listen, I got my stone hammer. I got my stone hammer right here. That's all the law on this moon. Oh, you have a gun. I forgot. I, I completely forgot you have a gun. <laughs> he just immediately gets undone. Like, oh, right. You two are way stronger than I am. I don't know why I thought I was in the superior role here. <laughs> Maybe I should uh, just shut up about all this. So... <laughs> so, by the way, the, the Medusa becomes a cute little mascot character now because they draw it, the it's little, really they cute. draw a little face on the vacuum thing, and I was like, I wish the entire series had had this thing in it. Like, hello, what what are we doing today, friends? <laughs> it immediately adopts a much friendlier voice now. Yeah. <laughs> I am British now. <laughs> hello, friends. Let's learn about science today. Aww. Explain to me. Gravity. Like, well, you don't follow the laws of it, so. Explain to me what love is. And Seku's like, well, love is between a man and and whoever that man feels strongly for, whatever their gender or creed may be. <laughs> yes, this seems logical. So, uh, why man? Abandoned its plans to parasitize Earth and vanish into the depths of space. They would never again unleash the Patcher Beam as a reward. Our trophy. Don't call it that. It's a living being with a face now. You gave it a face. You can't call it a trophy. <laughs> Was a single piece of futuristic science. Everyone gets up on from the lander into the ship. And they start heading back towards Earth. Uh, they leave behind a, a bit of it, as you often have to in you know space exploration missions. And there's this them going by while they leave it behind because you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so because they have sealed the Wyman device into an airtight capsule, uh, it can now fully function, which means that it could just float around and be like Gillian from Outlaw Star. It's great. Yes. Uh, and, uh, Kohaku asked the question that I'm sure a lot of people had on their mind, which was like, okay, so you're all mechanical beings who created you and just goes unknown. All right. Just, just don't worry about it. That's bitch, not the point. It was like, bitch, you first. I'm like, oh, all right. You're going to throw that back at me. eh? Uh, well, fine. I guess I also don't know. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, and as they are left to think about that, Kaku peers out the window and she says, what even is life? You know? <laughs> yeah. They're like, Kaku, please stop smoking that hash before we get back. All right. Just wait till we touch down. Then you shouldn't have fucking invented it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing what the good Lord intended. Well, you've discovered it in religion? Yeah, man! <laughs> discovered a lot of things up here. You ever think about, like, the moon's small, but then when you get close to it, it's, like, bigger than the Earth? 
It's weird. It's crazy. We've always been calling you Why Man. We should have been calling you How Man. <laughs> uh, the remaining Why Man brings up that survival is the primary objective of all life forms. Inquiry. Why do you dislike being petrified? Why is promise of life eternal rejected? Why? <laughs> I hope every time it says why, it isn't a horrifying voice. Why? And Senku just says, because it doesn't get me excited. And that's it. And there's like, yeah, you can't, you can't do anything when you're frozen in stone. That's all. Uh, the Y-Man doesn't understand this and just says, a disadvantageous decision for any given organism. Why? But Senku throws it back and says, well, but why out of all the Y-Men did only you decide to give my idea a chance? Why did it excite you? And abnormal or not, we're 10 billion percent guaranteed to all have that same weird urge. One painstaking steady step at a time. That's how our science rolls over the eras, over time, and throughout the ages to come. All right, so the major thing to bring up from all this is that this is the penultimate chapter of Dr. Stone. Next week's chapter will be the final chapter of Dr. Stone. And uh, I guess to actually comment on this chapter itself, I enjoyed it. I also liked Legion in Mass Effect 2, who was essentially the same plot thread. One member of a techno bio, techno race decides to break off from the greater hive mind because it's like, humans are interesting. And I'm, it, he was the coolest fucking character, so I love this little development. Um, but to the, I guess, larger question of Dr. Stone ending, I'm not super surprised. However, uh, I do think... This is perhaps the opportunity to add a series into the recap that has been yes. waiting in the ranks. Yeah, we uh, we have kind of been holding on to that for about two months now. So because it does not look like PPPPPPPPP is any anytime soon, it uh, has been ranking a little bit better. Um, so maybe it still will end relatively soon. I don't know, but it does not look like it is going to happen immediately. However, we have been sitting here. And protect me, Shugamaru isn't getting any colder, you know, or any warmer. So we got to add that to the recap and start talking about it every single week. I have a stone axe. <laughs> every time I see a poorly thought out Yu-Gi-Oh joke, it just makes me think I could do a lot of things with that axe. Okay, then. Mashal! So... <laughs> Let's talk about Mashal, Nick. Magic of Muscles, Chapter 98. Mash burned dead at the end game. So, we open in a flashback as uh, Innocent Zero is talking to a young little Domina, basically saying, you must always be a use to me. That is your purpose in life. And Domina thinking, those were, the, uh, those were father's words to me. And I hardly remembered at the time that I wasn't alone, isolated within a room that was more like a cage. And the only people in my life were servants whose vocal cords father's father crushed so they could not communicate me. And then father himself. Father was everything to me. We get like some Silent Hill kind of looking nurses. It's terrifying. Um, 
And he's just like, I was molded into someone who would fit his expectation. I bloodied my hands for him whenever I asked. I was against it early on, but every time Father would say to me, I have need of you. Outside of the two of us, you may put down anyone on your path. You are everything to me. When you're happy, I'm happy. Do you understand? And Innocent uh, Domino was like, yeah, this gave me a purpose. I wanted to hear those words from him again. So day after day, I worked and worked and worked. But what was it for? If I lose to him now, I won't have a reason to wi uh, to live, will I? I can't let that happen. I have to stay important. And he says out loud, it won't be you. I won't let it be you. Um, he continues, like, father and I are real family. You and your pops are, you know, blah, 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 blah. Goes to attack Nash again. And Mash kind of just kicks him in the stomach. And he's just, like, kind of starting to get tired of your whining. And just punches him in the face. And he says... Blood relations and unquestioning obedience aren't what make a family. And it's weird because it's done like in the kind of simplistic MASH style where he says something weird, but it is like actually a, a pretty sweet sentiment. Yeah. Uh, and he just says, Pops will get upset when I made a mistake, but I was allowed to be upset if, with him if he made one. We treated each other. And Domina kind of interrupts him and says, you didn't have to do anything. You didn't need to be anyone. You didn't even need magic. And you got love in return. You'll never understand me. And he goes to strike Mash with his sword, and there's a big thwack sound effect. We just see the blade falling, and Mash's, like, fist right in front of Domino's face. And he's like, you don't, you can never understand what I went for. Don't you think that I wanted, that I wanted to be loved for just being me too? Like a real child should? And Domino has just started sobbing at this point. And uh, we got, like, a full-page spread of that. It was very, very good image. And Mash extends his hand... And says, Pops wouldn't hesitate to tell me when I was wrong. Then he'd accept and forgive me. So here, let's make up. And Domina has like a surprised look and then kind of like a, a more quiet expression. It just says, your hand is so warm. And then there's a long fart sound effect that I added in my version because I was like, this Mashal chapter needs a joke. Uh, but it's not there in the version <laughs> you're seeing. You have to add it in yourself. <laughs> we then cut over to the flying city of crazy mcevilson which might actually be the name of it we don't know quite yet uh mm. and the back to tank that innocent zero is in has exploded as innocent zero leaves and says so domina has been bested i don't have a penis mm, don't need that where you're going mm. this is a very sweet chapter yeah um Every now and again, Mashal breaks out one of those. Oh, what a nice little heartfelt message about friendship and family and stuff. And it's nice to see Mash connecting with this guy and making him feel like it's okay. You don't need to win everyone's love. So, yeah, uh, I do. I do like the little uh, moment there. I, 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 I think this exchange with Domina maybe went on like one chapter or so too long. But I do really like this conclusion, and I do really like the sentiment at the end. Like, don't you think I just wanted to be loved for who I am, too? Like, just breaking down like that is is, is pretty raw. Yeah. All right. Let's head on over to the elusive samurai, Basara 1335. Mima looks like she's going to take up a sword after uh, Shizuku has won the game of... Bets and cheating against her. 
Uh, and, and oh my God, are they going to have to fight? Uh, is, is still calm and, and he, and he whispers over to Ayako saying like, look, this, this girl's an, an amateur. If she draws, I will behead her immediately. And Mimo gets all fierce. And then she thrusts her sword into Tokyuki's hands. And she says, I like you. Take it. You guys are like Basara. And Tokyuki's like, wait, what? And she says, Hey, sell that treasure sword. Go and enjoy Kyo. You beat me, and if I let you run around like poppers, then it will sully the prestigious Kyogoku and Sasaki clans. And then she is like, I like you, Tokiyuki. We're going to have fun together. And, oh my god! Total elimination! <laughs> like, Ayako lariats her while she's going to headbutt her in the back of the spine. <laughs> Wasn't that... That was a tag team's finisher. Oh, not the headbutt, but like one from above and one from below. Was that DIY? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, they did the knee and the super kick. Mm. Um, Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch did a <laughs> chop block uh, lariat combo. All right, that's fair enough. You know, everyone's favorite tag team. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I can't speak ill of it. Uh, one half of that tag team's dead, so I feel real bad. Um, uh, and then they, so basically they're like, hey, step off. I'm going to be his wife and I'm going to be his concubine. It's like, like, it's still weird. So I do like that. There's now a fight between all the girls of like, I'm going to marry him. Like, all right. Y'all, y'all are 12. You stop that. <laughs> y'all are 10. What am I saying? Or I can't remember how old they are. Cause They're time is linear. Range, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> time is linear. I do. I do really like the, uh, the, the the tandem uh, submission hole that they put her in, though, it's like a bow and arrow combined with a torture rack, which is inventive. <laughs> um, but the, but yeah, she's like, oh, what? What the hell? And like, you stay away. Yeah. So uh, but they go around town uh, with uh, Mima and uh, she also is introducing them to, you know, some of the uh, culture of the area and fashion. And she says, like, oh, yeah, so men who dress unconventionally are called basara. And Ayaka's like, is that why you dress weird? And she's, and she's like, yeah. And Shizuka's like, you look like a slut. It's just they're being so mean to her. So. But then again, she did try and, you know, sell their friend into slavery. So I guess that they can afford to be mean to her. So. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, they establish uh, a bunch of Basara stuff like, oh, yes, they started this entire fashion boom. Uh, and she says, yeah, and my dad is the leader of the pack. And she says to Tokyuki, ditch the fuddy duddy outlook. OK, basically, he looks very traditional, I guess. Um, they also go and visit some of the Buddhist statues. They vi- they also see that there is a temple with a bricks sticking out and their arrows stuck into it and so an uh, archer shot them from uh over a football field away uh and it's not even that difficult it's like there was roofing and stuff in the way so it had to be a straight shot it couldn't arc which it's like how holy crap how did they do it oh it was this court noble named kitabatake akie who did it um and they're like, wait, a court noble did this, but the only court noble that we know of this joint battle is incompetent. But yeah, so giving us an indication of the kind of people that are going to be in the future. Um, and uh, they keep on going around, you know, and she's like, yeah, there's so much of Kyo to see. You can't even do it in a single day. And Tokyuki is like, 
wow, she seems very friendly for someone who is trying to sell my friend into slavery. Let's not forget about that. Uh-huh. Um, and he's like, yeah, I mean, I can't like just keep this going where I have to hide who I am from her. But for now, I guess this is fine. But Mima nearly stumbles into uh, this drunken samurai. And he's like, you sure are a dressed shamelessly. Apologize for this. This place is obscene. Everyone dresses obscenely. Uh, so Mima is just like, whatever, I'm not going to take this. You suck. You're just some other, some random warrior who hasn't gotten a reward. You're a loser. And uh, also she notices from his from his clothing that he's from Nita. And she's like, yeah, well, you're you're poor and Yoshisa is a cretin and the emperor doesn't re- favor his retainers. And Tokiyuki recognizes these names. The samurai's like, I'm going to cut this woman down. Mima says, whatever. If you try and attack me, my father will pay him back a thousandfold. I'm not scared of you. But Tokyuki, he is too noble at heart. So he steps forward and he says to Kojiro and Aoko, hey, can we knock this guy out before he creates a scene? And they're like, I mean, yeah, sure. The drunk samurai draws his sword and uh, Tokyuki uses the wrist slashing technique to make him drop it. And um Kinshasa they it's actually more of a running knee at this time they destroy him (laughs) uh Nick name that tag team finisher no tag team attacks no I mean you have to name their tag team finisher uh welcome to Jointville, I don't know. <laughs> Jointville? <laughs> They're attacking with joints. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you could have called it like "Welcome to Japan." That would have worked. <laughs> Jointville makes it sound like they're both really smoking a shit ton. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they're just like, "Whoa, dude, catch my knee!" <laughs> and then afterwards, they're like, "Yo, let's get some ecto cooler." <laughs> they still make it, right? <laughs> All right, how about this? Elbow needs to see you. <laughs> oh, it's like a really annoying name. <laughs> one that's it's a like, really annoying what, one. <laughs> one that the the announcer's like, God fucking damn! What is I it hate again? Calling this move. <laughs> elbow, elbow needs to see you. <laughs> I hate this. I hate this. Ah, <laughs> uh, why is everyone gonna have these stupid names for their finishing moves? <laughs> is that Jr. <laughs> Why do they all line up outside the ring and let people jump on them? <laughs> I hate the company that I work for. <laughs> Aww. So, but uh, Tokiki says uh, to Mima, like, hey, you're from a good home. You shouldn't scratch your face. Maybe my thinking is old fashioned, but so perhaps I'm not cut out to be a basara. And Mima's like, oh my God. He's so uncool. That he's amazingly cool. <laughs> it's like, all right. But she also thinks to herself, I've got to introduce him to my father. We cut away then to Takaoji, uh, and also to the Kakushi, who uh, is being refused an audience with the emperor because he's like, I don't want to die. Uh, Takaoji goes to see him, takes him in to see him and said, Kiyohara weeps shamelessly on his lap. He's like, they ruined my battle, Mikoshi. It was such a cool idea. Uh, 
Sasaki is there and he's got a cool new headdress thing. Uh, and he's like, you should kill him. <laughs> do it. <laughs> do useless. it. Do it. Kill him. Uh, but Takaoji twists Kiyohara's head in his lap and he says, you don't need to be afraid any longer. Let me make it all better. Close your eyes. And Kiyohara says, I see now. Oh, how his smile eases my pain. He surpasses even the emperor and he peacefully closes his eyes. And Takaoji drools in his mouth and that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> um... Yeah, uh, not to understate this point too much, but yeah, he drools in Kyuhara's mouth, and when he does so, the the Kokushi's body shudders and lurches up off the ground, so something weird is going to happen to him, presumably. Uh, we have seen that Takaoji is seemingly possessed by a demon, whether symbolic or literal, so perhaps some sort of bizarre transformation will uh, occur with the, the Kokushi here. Yeah. Interesting little chapter. Let's wrap right. it up, Nick. Yes, it's chapter 1041 of One Piece. Kimura Saki. Oh, oh, hey, look, it's Pudding. Yeah. Hi, Pudding. And she's punching uh, the Nazis, so good for her. Yeah, good for her. I would like to note there is no Black Clover. That's why we're not talking about it. That is correct, yes. Uh, Momonosuke and Yamato have met up because there's a hole in the wall that was separating them. And Momonosuke... Uh, it, um, spoke with Zunesha, the giant elephant island thing, and it told him, I have come to join the fight. Am I late? God, I hope that when they get to the anime version of it, I, 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 actually Zunesha, I think, has spoken to this point, so I hope that is the actual voice of the anime. Hey, I'm here. It's like, it's just a drunker Mr. Plinkett. He's <laughs> just like, Hey, everybody. I'm the elephant. I'm going to punch your face in. What did I, do? What did I miss? <laughs> and Yamato's really excited to hear about all this. He says, wow, you are the one who will guide the world to the dawn. And Monosuke is like, I don't know. <laughs> Just, all right. All right. We get it, Monosuke. You're, you're an overstressed kind of crybaby. It's, it's okay. You're, you're, you're still very important. It's fine. Uh, but he does make a very, you know, good point, which is like, I mean, all this stuff that's going on. I, I've read Father's journal and learned about why it's important that I don't die. But for some reason, Father tore out the page with the most crucial part. What did he and Roger's crew see on that final island that made them laugh? I don't understand what the goal is. Father wasn't a prophet. If he were still alive now, would he really still say open Wano's borders? I'm not smart enough to understand. If it would mean exposing the people of Wano to danger, I do not wish to open the borders. Am I simply a coward, Yamato? Aww. At heart, he is still a kid. Yeah, so he is still it's... a child mentally. Uh, we cut over. <laughs> it's Ryzo done. won this battle. Care. I don't even care. It's done. <laughs> Hey, he didn't give in to the fire. He's uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, Fukurokuchu lost. Uh, Jinbei comes across them. Yeah, all right. Uh, okay. Well, then we cut over to Orochi, and Orochi is like, "Where the fuck is Fukurokuchu? Where has he been? Did, was he just in some pointless battle, sitting and doing nothing for an hour? What the hell? <laughs> he better not have been doing nothing for the last fifty chapters." Uh. 
Also, of course, the island shook when one of the explosives went off. So he's like, all right, what's that Contro's doing? I, I hope that's this is the end of it. Uh, meanwhile, Kumurasaki is playing uh, her shamisen. And Orochi's like, why the fuck are you playing right now? What the hell? And why are you wearing your mask? You always wear that stupid mask when you play. This is a mode of life and death. You should take it off. Are you really Kumurasaki or a ghost? You were supposed to be dead. The ceiling collapses because the building's been on fire for a while. It falls on Orochi. He's fine, but he's crushed. And he, and then he goes, what? I can't transform. I can't get free. And Hiori says, you were so stunned that you never even noticed, did you? I used nails of sea prism stone to ensure you could not turn into that monster. Is she talking about like fingernails? I guess. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I don't think she took like an actual hammer. I was like, ding, 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 ding. You never noticed me driving this nail <laughs> into your ankle. <laughs> oh, wow. No, you're just. Look, I, I'm really preoccupied with sex. Okay. I just don't pay attention. So. Um, and so Rochi's like, what the, why, why did you do that? I thought you loved me. And he already says, I have not the tiniest affection for you. Strangely enough, that song you love, Moon Princess, and she flashes back to when she was a child and would play for Odin, her father. And he was like, I like that song. And so she promised that she would learn to play even better. And she says, that song was also the favorite of my father, Kozaki Odin. How could it possibly put a smile on my face? And while she says this to Orochi, who's starting to panic... Of course, her features are still hidden behind her mask. Hey, nice chapter. Let's nothing else happened. So, <laughs> sorry. That's actually a really good ending note. I feel like uh, there's like uh, just, six moments in this chapter that could have been conclusions that just aren't. There's so much going on. It's almost like instead if instead of cutting around to all these different scenes, if we just like kept them into like small snippets, then like we could have had like nice little complete stories to jump around between. Mm -hmm. I know that Oda likes to do that thing where you like jump around in chaotic scenes and you see little bits of the battle unfold at a time. But like. You don't have to do that all the time. It's I like that in the buildup a lot when we're coming to the climaxes, though, it starts to feel like it it pulls away a bit um it turns out uh Izo decided to fight those two agents of cp0 that he came across i guess yeah um, and Izo just fucking smoked them cp0 blows they do they do suck yes <laughs> fucking Izo took them out uh he seemingly straight up kills one and the other is seemingly down for the count but consciously it's like god fuck you Izo. Why the hell are you here helping these people out? Ah, uh, I gotta go fucking kidnap Robin. Fuck you, Ezo. <laughs> it was just a moment I was like, man, I don't know if there was a person in this arc who could have wasted CP0. And I immediately was like, okay, so CP0 blows. <laughs> like, they, they suck. I don't care about them anymore because fucking Ezo was the one to take them all out. Uh, So this CP0H is like, I gotta go get... Fucking Robin, damn it, gets a call on his head snail thing. And they're like, all right, the five elders have issued an edict. Illuminated Straw Hat Luffy. The fuck you talking about? 
He's fucking fighting Kaido. I'm not going to do any of that. I wish he had dropped that many (laughs) F-bombs. Fuck this. This fucking sucks. Fuck. This fucking blows. Fuck this. Uh, um, so the, the, the person communicating with him is like, yeah, they know it's impossible. Yeah. But these orders are meant to prevent the worst case scenario. You understand. Uh, Drake is there. Hi, X Drake. Uh, Though it's a scenario, we only know through rumor and hearsay. Okay. Uh, we cut away then again to the basement where Usopp is with Hamlet and they're carrying uh, Kinemon and... Oh, oh, there's so many O's. Fucking I'm sorry, where, where are we at? Uh, the samurai are getting carried away. Okiku and, and... Okiku, yeah. Okiku. Yes. So they're getting carried off to safety. Okay. Uh, Wanda and Carrot are, un- are, are 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 with Cat Viper. Okay. Uh, and Frankie uh, has had to snag Zoro from falling all the way down with his extendo arm, and he's like, "You ain't dead, are you?" Uh, and Nami is with Zeus. And also Marco's there. Uh, and Big Mom has fallen. Everyone's like, oh shit, Big Mom fell. And then uh, Kid and Law are on their backs because they're so exhausted from fighting Big Mom. And they're like, hey, you want to go fight Kaido? Nah, I'm beat. All right. So uh, we cut then finally up to Luffy and Kaido who are exchanging blows. Yay! An important thing is happening after four pages of nothing important happening. So... Uh, Kaido is like, do you sense that? Linlin lost the fight. What the? What the hell? God damn it! I had money on I that. I have a look. Here's a flashback. I met Linlin when I was a kid, and she was like, "I'm gonna be king of the sea." And then we became besties, and uh, we were oh, we were supposed to claim One Piece together. And Luffy is like, I don't care, and he goes Gear Four. And he starts punching Kaido a whole lot from a billion different angles with Snake Man. And he says, your ambitions mean nothing to me, especially if it leaves the people here with no food to eat. This is my final gear four, and I'm not stopping until I've run out of strength. I'm going to drive you out of Wano if it's the last thing I do. Punch, eat, punch, 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 punch. End of chapter. It's a cool attack. It's nice to be reminded of... What was the catalyst, really, for this entire arc, which was that no one in Wano has food to eat except for the rich. Um, Fucking two and a half, three years ago, or whenever that was initially brought up, uh, is nice. I really, really actually liked Zoro getting saved by Frankie. That honestly felt like another moment that could have been a cliffhanger. Like, hey, cool, Zoro and Frankie. Those are two characters who barely ever interact. It kind of would have been cool to see them have like a cool moment together but not really any time it's mostly like a footnote to add like hey frankie saved zoro that might potentially be all from that scene um i like kaido also being sad about linlin i'm almost kind of hoping i assume we are going to get at some point more of a flashback to kind of give a bit more context to their relationship when they were younger although that might just be it um but i think as a whole this is a chapter where there's a lot of really cool things going on but there's so many that it still is a bit daunting and kind of by the end of it, I, I'm going to forget two or three cool things that are in the chapters because <laughs> there's so much that's going on. It's very packed. Oh, and uh, fuck Gizo. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Seriously, fuck him. I can't believe he fucked everything up. He shot me. Do you see that? Oh, my God. I hate this guy. Member of the most elite uh, agency in the government. He's like, just has no cool whatsoever. Dude, not cool. Lame. All right. That's it for this week. Favorite chapter, MVP time. My favorite chapter this week is going to be Mashal, Magic and Muscles. I really, really like Domino's little flashback. I thought it was a, a great way to kind of wrap up that character, and I, I really enjoyed it. It's a little tricky to me because I don't feel like there's a lot of really, really good stuff this week. I think I'm actually going to give it to PPP, PPP. Oh, okay, okay. I like that. I like, you know, the way that it closes out and the stuff that you start to see of like, oh yeah, Lucky's had a kind of garbage life. Of course, he's got stuff to draw on for a sad piece, but how is he going to not make it sad? So, yeah. MVP. Uh, my MVP this week is going to be Quaxley. Uh, it is the best Pokemon. I love it. I want everyone to enjoy this Pokemon as much as I do, but I want you to understand that I love it the most of everybody. Okay. Um... Alright, fine. If I can't actually pick Quaxley, I will pick the one Medusa that has <laughs> remained behind with that the last that cone from Dr. Stone, because that is the Quaxley of Dr. Stone right now. So in my entry, could you put thing from Dr. Call it Howman, and then in parentheses, <laughs> Quaxley. <laughs> Get to it, Ninja. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going to give mine to Hiori. Uh, she had a, hey, she got to do a thing. And I was like, she better get to do a thing this entire fucking time that she's introduced and she's, she's getting to do a thing and that's it. So hooray. There you go. Uh, the audience, by the way, doubled up this week. Akani Banashi, uh, won MVP or one, uh, chapter of the week. And then Akane from Akane Banashi won MVP. So yeah. I totally get that. Did a good showing. It wasn't yeah. waxing, yeah. but you know, you do what you got to. Uh, Maybe Ninja if you would... just entered no Chris into my section, <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to get tallied at the end of the year. Can you at least put, um, just put Quaxley? And I don't <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> everywhere. Uh, yeah, I, I actually am going to give it to the little thing for Doctor Stone. I actually think that was like kind of the coolest character this week. I was like, this thing fucking rules. <laughs> like, I wish this character had been in the series for like. 50 chapters because like this full this floating fucking vacuum tube thing was pretty dope all right that's gonna do it everyone thank you guys so much for joining us for the live recording of the show we got started a little bit late today but normally we start at about 7 30 eastern time on twitch.tv slash to stay updated on when the show goes live you can follow us on twitter at nick f time at reload and at WMR podcast. You can also join us on our Discord server. A notification gets sent out when the stream goes live. And also, it's a great place to hang out with our wonderful community. There are discussions held about the recap chapters, about the series that we are doing a review on. And also, it's a great place to just go there, use that to find the Google Doc that's maintained by Ninja X3i. And hey, you can make a suggestion for a feature manga for us to read. You can check out all the stuff we have previously covered. You can look at the voting for MVP and favorite series and add your own tallies to it. Great stuff. That is all maintained by NinjaX3i, without whom we would forget many things. Yeah. Presumably including why there is an entry on there 
at the end of the year that says no chris like we're not gonna remember it's that. changed now to why man it's changed okay. now to why man but I do need like an an author's note that says, "But this is for Quaxley." <laughs> Symbolically. Additionally, thank you to everyone who helps make the show what it is by supporting us on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/WeeklyMangaRecap. We recently recorded a oh, show. No, you did make your pick. Never mind. Sorry, someone's saying Nick, who's your pick? You said Hiori. I did. Yes. Okay. Uh, we did a special bonus episode with a special guest recently where we did an As Explained by Manga. So be sure to check that out. And uh, also that is where other month, sorry, monthly other recap is done by Chris on uh, the series that we don't talk about on the show because there's too many of them. And uh, we also want to thank Steve Mann, our occasional child card artist. You can check out his work wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet, including twitter.com slash Steve Mann art. And we want to thank Milo Jack Stilitz and Winslow Cheddar for creating the opening sequence of Weekly Manga Recap. You can check out those style cards and that opening sequence on our YouTube for the video versions of our podcast, youtube.com slash Weekly Manga Recap. The audio versions of the show can be found on podbean.com, Weekly Manga Recap.podbean.com, I should say. And also wherever podcasts can generally be listened to. Yeah. So, Nick, we have a new series uh, to take as a recommendation. And I feel like we don't have enough theme months, Nick. So I I, I feel like I'm going to kick off maybe a fun new theme month. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So, Nick, what is... uh, What is your favorite card game of all time? So the thing is, I know what you're going to talk about, but I, I feel like I have to lean into the correct answer, which is... Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! So. Okay. Well, you should have said Magic the Gathering. So Magic the Gathering has a brand new set out. It came out like a week ago called Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. And Kamigawa is based off of a plane that was inspired by Japanese mythology. Uh, it was famously not popular. So they refused to go back to it to a very, very long time until they re-went back and they added robots and anime references. So it became popular enough in market research that they were approved to go back. So we're back in Kamigawa and to help celebrate it, Wizards released a manga to explain the story of Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. So I decided it would be really fun to talk about that manga and who else to come along with us on that ride than resident MTG nerd Austin Yorsky as we start what is almost certainly going to be a month of fun card game stuff. I don't know if we will or not. I, I just don't want to do this one. I thought it'd be fun to do a theme month. And then next week you're like, no, we're going to talk about a, I don't know, a dog manga or some shit like that. I don't know what kind of theme we're even going to get out of this. So. <laughs> yeah, like, we're like, well, I don't want to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! So I think we're all out of card manga. <laughs> all right. Next month. The next series. Then. But that's it. It's it's. I don't know. There's a bunch of, there's a bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh! spinoffs I guess we could turn to. So. <sighs> We don't actually have to. I, I just mostly did that for that. Uh, this is a super short thing, so I can promise you we are going to be talking about this next week. I think it's legitimately like 60 pages long. Um, and what really tickles me is I know the story of Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, and I cannot comprehend how you tell it in 60 pages. But I guess they do it. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see it next week. 
All right. Look forward to that, everyone. We will see you next time. Same stream channel. Roughly same time. Bats. Bats. Because bat. Oh, because the Batman comes out on Friday. Also, side note, I saw the Foo Fighters movie. And I know what you're thinking. Oh. They had a movie? Yes. I, I, I saw a trailer for it. Yeah. Horror movie. Uh, I am a big Foo Fighters fan. That was a movie that I left like, oh, man. I'm I still love the Foo Fighters, but that was not yeah. a good movie. <laughs> that was a movie that I need to be a lot scarier, a lot funnier, or a lot dumber because it was it was almost to the point of being so bad it's good and it 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 like the movie ends with Dave Grohl and Jeff Garland kicking each other into dick over <laughs> and over again and it was like clearly this movie doesn't take itself seriously, but it needed to be a lot dumber to justify an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes. I got roughly that impression from the trailers. I was like, ah, it seems like it'd be fun. It probably isn't. It, so. <laughs> it, is, it is entertaining to watch, but don't go out of your way to see it. Right. And I'm just going to, you know, I, I feel lazy. I'm just going to say that's my review for the bat, new Batman as well. I believe that movie also ends with the two leads kicking each other <laughs> in the dick. <laughs> if the new Batman ends with Robert Pattinson and Paul Dino kicking each other in the dick back and forth, you heard it here first. Thank <laughs> you.